0: Welcome everybody to a very special uh, Growing with Fishes podcast. We have an amazing guest today, and we're super excited to have Jeff Lowenfels, from uh, the author of um, uh, Teaming with Microbes, Teaming with Nutrients, and Teaming with Fungi, is with us today. Um, we couldn't be not be happier to have him. Um, we do this show every uh, single week in order to promote aqua. Aquaponic and cannabis production, as well as other permaculture uh, and sustainable uh, production methods. Um, we also have today with us, um, actually we'll go down the line. Uh, uh, you want to go first, Roger?
1: Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Roger, and I'm the administrator at ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. I also own my own aquaponics commercial um, farm, USD certified in South Carolina, named Bono Pepper Farm.
2: My name is Ken Armstrong. I'm the owner of Orbors Farms in Half Moon Bay, California, an aquaponics farm, uh, and uh, also uh, part of Purity Medicinals. We're super happy to be here with everybody and excited to be, uh, to be a guest and be a part of this experience.
1: Nice
3: library. I'm a hog master. I'm from I Marijuana.com as well. I'm a moderator on there, and it's awesome to be on here with everybody.
4: Go ahead, Marty. Uh, Marty, I have a YouTube channel, AP Meds, and uh, co-moderate the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Facebook group with Steve. And uh, yeah, so uh, check out the YouTube channel. And uh,
0: thanks.
3: Um,
4: Brain
0: Grow. Uh, I'm
5: Brain Grow. Um, I make aquaponic cannabis content on YouTube. I haven't made anything in a couple of months, but I'm hoping to get right back on it. I also have my content on Instagram, and I am as well on ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. Thank you.
0: Glad to have you back, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, Today, or this week, this week, a quick mention, and we will have uh, another... Aquaponic cannabis uh, class over Ouroboros Farms on October 21st and 22nd, if anyone's interested. We have a lot of uh, cool guests coming to that class, uh, so if anyone's interested, definitely come check that out at OuroborosFarms.com. Um uh so this week we have jeff lohenfell uh, he was kind enough to join us uh, he was actually recommended um we had uh, tom alexander on a couple of weeks ago and he uh, he recommended uh reaching out to you and gave me your contact info and uh was kind enough to do that and that he was a great guest and we're, we're super excited to have you on and um so jeff Lowenfell a little quick background story as the author of teaming with microbes teaming with nutrients and teaming with fungi some of the best and easiest to read um, uh, nutrient books. It explains the soil microbiology as well as um, just how, you know, a better understanding how it is that your plants grow and why it is that they grow and why it is they do what they do. So um, we're super excited to have him on. So thanks for joining us a lot,
3: Jeff. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, Tom, Tom's a special guy. You know, he's, he's the guy that got me into this stuff. I mean, it was just, it, he's, uh, we've had this long-standing bet and he sent me an email one night, blew my world apart. Never been the same. So, that's Tom. Uh, well,
0: tell me a little bit more about that. Actually,
3: I, I did not well, know that at all. Yeah, we used to. We we're both members of the Garden Writers of America, you know. And it's—I uh, don't think there's going to be too many people watching, but it's a—you know—it's a pretty straight group. But Tom was a member, and George was a member, Jorge Cervantes. Um And so Tom, George, and I would hang out at the Garden Writers, and uh, you know, we would argue about organics versus non-organics. And one day. Uh, you know, I said, "Jesus, you guys don't understand who I am." My parents put Miracle Grow in business. My long story short, the guy who invented Miracle or, or marketed Miracle Grow worked for my father and hated the job, <laughs> and went into the Miracle Grow business because he hated the job that he had with my family. Anyway, uh, I was a big Miracle Grow user, and uh, Tom was organic, and and. We would have this argument and I said, listen, it doesn't matter if it's brown manure or green powder, it's nitrogen, the plant doesn't care. Right. And Tom said, no, 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 no. And I said, well, prove it to me, prove it to me. And he could never prove it to me. And so one night he sends me a picture, uh, which is in the in team with microbes um, of the uh, nematode uh, being strangled by a fungal hyphae that's protecting a tomato root. I mean, and I looked at the thing and I I had no idea what I was looking at. I had to figure out what I was looking at. This is back in the really early days of Google and all that kind of stuff. And I remember spending two, three, I I remember it was about three days. I mean, sleepless nights. My wife was back on the East Coast and long winter night in Anchorage. And I finally figured out that he was telling me the soil food web was better than Miracle Grow. And that was it. I never looked back, never looked back. Uh, and it was because of Tom. And, and uh, <laughs> I think he laughs about it now. He can hardly shut me up anymore. He's probably thinking, what the hell did I do? But uh, that was it. That was simply the – and that was 19 – probably about 1992 or something like that.
4: Yeah, I think he mentioned a little bit about that when he was on the show, saying that he introduced you to somebody else that we refer to people a lot, which was Dr. Elaine Ingram. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so we recommend her you know, class to oh. – any any beginner or advanced or anyone, it's a oh my god yeah oh my god yeah. take it more than once because <laughs> yeah you you probably miss stuff along the way. <laughs> well,
3: always. you know what I always tell people it's a it it a little easier if you read Teaming with Microbes first, then when you go listen, wow, you get so much more out of it. I think, but uh yeah, she's 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 it. That's that's this is it. And and she didn't he did introduce me to uh, that 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 series of nights i came across the soil food web and i looked and looked and looked finally found dr elaine ingham read all the stuff i could get about it i mean i was hooked i was hooked because it's just such a logical system and, and of course what you do with aquaponics is you know to me you know even better in a sense i mean it really is incredible and i i, I I, I we haven't talked long enough for the audience to realize that I'm literally crazy and you can hardly shut me up. But to me, what you guys do is you create your own rhizosphere <laughs> and right. those, and those fish are the bacteria, you know, <laughs> the fungi. It's mm. just, a, it's just a beautiful little system that works just the same way. This, anyway, I love it. Um, uh, Tom's responsible for it. And, and, uh, Uh, it's, it's really changed my life. And I, and I wrote the book, of course, for Dr. Elaine, um, after starting a listserv, she said, well, what else can you do? And I said, well, you know, maybe I can write a book. And so, so, uh, yeah, she's where it's at. And she continues to just amaze more and more and more people. And, and, uh, and I think it's a great thing really. Uh, and, but of course you've got, you've got your own Dr. Elaine and and Sylvia Bernstein, who I assume you guys all
0: know. I used yeah. to work. I used
3: to work for Sylvia. Well, she was a, she was a member of the Garden Writers as well, um, but uh, and she and she she came to the meetings and used to start talking about uh, aquaponics. You know, people looked at her like she was nuts, but we knew it was soil food web stuff. You know, made so much sense. So anyway, uh, it was really a terrific terrific uh, thing to to have Tom point out, and and I've never looked back.
0: Awesome. Ooh, I
3: gotta
0: shut off my, uh, my other calls.
3: I told your mom not to call.
0: It. Yeah, no, it was actually uh, one of the other people that comes on the show. I sent uh, him a link to the the podcast and uh, I don't know if whatever reason he connected to the wrong thing. Uh, we actually just had Charlie Schultz join us as well. He was the one of the former heads of University of Virgin Islands. Um, he's the one I was telling you about uh, it. was actually using your book as a textbook. Uh, uh, thanks for joining yeah. us, Charlie. Yeah, can you hear me right now? Yeah, no, you're good now. All right. Just mute your mic when you're not Perfect. talking because you got a little bit of a loop.
5: Yeah, super. All right, thanks. I'm a little bit late. I just got a, a van and a tiny home stuck in mud.
6: <laughs> or oh, so
5: soil, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah,
3: well, mud. <laughs> it depends. It depends. It's just, it's just
4: not dirt. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's 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 the stuff underneath your bed I always tell people. That's dirt.
4: Dirt dirt's uh, a dirty word, right? Right? Right.
3: Exactly.
0: Exactly. Right. So you I read your book. I've read all of your books actually mm-hmm. multiple times. Um do you wanna uh, explain to people a little bit about more um you you guys talk about you know you talk a lot about um you know nematodes and protozoa and and bacteria. Do you want to explain maybe the different roles that they play? And then the sure. other thing I was I thought was super fascinating after reading your book was learning how there's different forms of nitrogen based off of fungi versus bacteria. And it really got me thinking in terms of how that plays a role into aquaponics and why it is that certain methods work better than others because of the microbials.
3: Exactly. Okay, yeah, I can probably do that in about a th- <laughs> let's see if I can do it in three minutes. Uh-huh. The way the system works out in the wild, the the reason why you don't need to use Miracle Grow on the redwoods, you know, that they get to be 500 feet, you know, 750 feet tall and 500 years old without Miracle Grow is because what they're doing is taking photosynthetic energy at about 40 to 50% of it and using it not to produce tree leaves and not to produce bark and any of that stuff, but to drip things out of the roots called exudates. Those exudates contain lots of carbon uh, and other materials, but carbon in particular, and they attract bacteria and fungi who need that carbon in order to survive. And so they are attracted to the rhizosphere because the plant is sweating. And then the bacteria and fungi attract nematodes and protozoa. Now, the nematodes are true worms. Uh, they're blind. Anytime you're on the web and there's a story about, you know, a, a, a worm infecting somebody, they always show a picture of a nematode. Uh, they're microscopic, they're hair-like, um, and, and protozoa are the things you studied in 10th grade amoeba, which you never saw, but you always said you did, uh, and pro- and uh, paramecium. You remember those little things? You had to take a little diagram home of this thing that looked like the bottom of a shoe and it and it had a gullet. Those are paramecium, and one paramecium will eat 10,000 bacteria every day, a- and it eats that bacteria, and it's able to eat 10,000 bacteria because it digests what it needs and it gets rid of what it doesn't need. And it turns out that what it gets rid of, what it poops out in essence, is mostly nitrogen in plant usable form. And it's happening right there in the rhizosphere, and the plant is very happy. Now, the fungus do the same thing. They get eaten, and they get eaten, say, maybe by a, an amoeba or a nematode, uh, and the fungus uh, uh, leftover f- is also nitrogen that feeds the plant. Okay. Now in both instances, the type of nitrogen is ammonia. Uh, It's just always ammonia. But if you have soils or water that's got more bacteria than fungus, we say bacterially dominated, then the nitrogen fixing bacteria convert that ammonia into nitrate. So you have two kinds of nitrogen. So if you've got more fungal than bacteria, it stays in the ammonia form. And if you've got more bacteria than fungal, it gets converted very quickly in a two step process into nitrate. So you got two kinds of nitrogen. And it turns out that some plants like they'll live off of either kind of nitrogen, but some like one kind of nitrogen more than the other. So how do we figure that out? Well, The easiest way to figure it out is if the plant stays in the ground for more than a year then it likes the soil to be more fungally dominated and it likes the nitrate i mean the uh, ammonia type nitrogen if the plant is in the ground for less than a year so that would be a row crop cannabis is a row crop uh annuals uh vegetables Uh, those like the nitrogen and they like the uh, nitrate nitrogen. So they like bacterially dominated soil or bacterially dominated aquaponic situations. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Did I do it in three minutes?
1: Well, and Um, that's because the the, the ammonical is not as available as the nitrate. Isn't that why? Because the row crops, they need it. It's a shorter thing. So they, they use the nitrate because it's a shorter grow period where a weed or a tree that you say likes the, the uh, um, ammonia because it cuz hasn't broke down into nitrate right
3: uh, you know that's that's part of the answer the other part of the answer is uh you know that the the plant is just designed to take in a different kind of nitrogen uh and, i mean and and that's the second book uh, okay. was oh, and, oh, so, okay. and so and but but you're right i mean and, and and so these plants are adapted and so when you when you take a nitrogen that's nitrate nitrogen and you put it into a forest tree situation, the tree doesn't do as well because it's not adapted to that. It doesn't want that. Uh, It's not, it's able to take that ammonical and use it, whereas the annual plant isn't. So yeah, you're right.
0: Definitely. Don't uh, don't plants convert nitrate back to ammonia before they use it? They use molybdenum along with the protein in order to break some, that down. Correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. D-
3: that happens on the inside. So the question right. is, how does it get into the plant? Uh, and <laughs> and and that's why I wrote the second book because after I wrote the first book, uh, you know, I was thinking, geez, okay, so now I know how the stuff gets to the root. You know, it's the soil food web where you've got all the little guy gets eaten by the bigger guy and it is all at pooping and stuff, and then. I sat there one day and I said, well, how the hell does this stuff get in the plant? I mean, all these years we talk about growing plants and stuff, you, you water it and it goes in and xylem and phloem and all that crap, you know, but that doesn't answer the question. How does the stuff get in the plant? And once it gets in the plant, how does it, how does it, what happens to it? So that became a three-year quest. I jumped into a rabbit hole and, you know, sort of <laughs> taught myself what went on there and And it's fascinating because you've only got 18 elements that the plant needs not the 65 that are in the kelp that everybody uses you know it's only got 18 elements that's all it needs it doesn't need anything else (laughs) that other stuff probably isn't doing a damn thing uh but any case uh you use these 18 elements as i like to say you can't play cards with 18 cards how do you make a how do you make all the molecules that are everything inside a plant and then everything you are the plants are able to make every single amino acid. We can only make what 10 of them or something of that sort. But uh, we get the other ones from plants. So it just drove me crazy. And so I thought, geez, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna team with microbes, let's figure out what happens in the next step. And then in the the middle of a couple of years after the first one came out, mycorrhizal fungi, which was sort of laughed at 10-15 years ago, people started saying, you know what, maybe we can use them. And hey, look, this one, we can grow this one in the lab. We never could before. And, and then they discovered, gee, you use too much nitrogen and you use too much phosphorus. They don't grow. Well, no wonder we've been telling people they're no good. We're using Cornell mix. We're using super soil. You know what I mean? I mean, how ah, are we supposed to grow mycorrhizal fungi if the plant's getting everything it needs from us? And so people figured it out. And now all of a sudden, People start to say, "Hey, wait a minute. Maybe we don't need to give plants everything. Maybe the fungi will go out and get it." And so I, I revised the first book, and then a couple of years later, there was so much information—probably from a thousand to twenty-five thousand papers—in a couple of years. And I said, "Oh gosh, I think it's time for a third book." And so that's the third book, uh, which is teeming with with microbes, and and they all fit together, so that as you think about. The ammonia nitrogen, yeah, then you got to think about how does it get into the plant? And then you're right. What happens when it gets into the plant and how does that happen? W- you know, what's the enzymatic action? What activity happens inside a plant that we as growers can impact in a positive way or put a different way that we as growers impact in a negative way that we should stop doing? So much more
4: effective way to put it, in my opinion, yeah. you know, I feel yeah. like. We've been over-gardening for so many years right. in so many different ways that, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously we can't just not do anything and expect to get ideal results, but the amount of work that I feel like, or more like the amount of feed, I guess, that we, we thought was standard to give a plant or that needed it or that we thought we were doing good with really, you know, was probably a waste in a lot of situations. And And, and I think aquaponics was really sort of what brought that about for me like and, and understanding that it was it, it was more than just how the plant gets food like okay we know microbes you know they, they help make nutrients more available and feeding the plant is great but there's like layers to it and I think Dr. Lane Ingram's class was really sort of like what came together but well it's not just that it feeds the plant along the way once it develops it, in the way that it protects itself it also protects the plant so the you know the root systems are you know are healthier and wider and and grow faster and don't develop pathogens or um, other stuff nearly as easily as when you tried to you know have like a hydro grow with a five point eight pH and you know poured liquid nutrients in all the time um, you know you didn't you didn't have to change the reservoir every you know, three weeks or whatever it was that you had to do, and so, and, and my quest to figure out why that worked, like, why is that, you know, so much different when so much of it is contradictory, you know, you had hydro, which is, oh, keep everything clean, and keep the pH really low, and keep, you know, all this, aquaponics, is just like, oh, you know, we put the fish in the tank, and we let them shit everywhere, and, you know, like, all this stuff, and and uh, that's really contradictory, but obviously, if you can grow big tomatoes, you could grow anything else, and so it you know, kind of uh, <clears throat> came to a, a head for me in that class and that it's not just how it feeds, but the competitive exclusion and diversity, healthy diversity that you get allows the, the plant to, you know, not just take up nutrients more effectively, but also have a, have a healthier and easier time against pests and all kinds of other things. So uh, definitely agree with you on a lot of those.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and if I, I certainly don't want to leave anybody the impression that it's all about pooping and eating and, you know, feeding the plant in that regard, because you're absolutely right, the diversity of the microbial population in that rhizosphere, or the diversity of the microbial population around the mycorrhizal fungi, because they have a, 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 a rhizosphere of their own, so to speak, it's called a microsphere, Th- those that diversity is producing uh, antibiotics. Uh, they're, they're preventing monoc- monocultures from developing. They're, they're creating soil structure, the beginnings of soil structure. So they, so they do all sorts of, of things, all of which ends up aiding the plant. Um, and, and I like to think in a, in a plant concentric manner, you know, and all of it triggered as a result of the plant putting that exudate out there and attracting them all. So, yeah, it's just a beautiful system that, that uh, it just makes so much sense. And of course, you know, you guys know as much as anybody else, This the, the ability to make it a sustainable system. Uh, is, or or at least to see a goal of sustainability as being achievable, you know, makes a very, very big difference. To me, you know, that was the biggest problem with the other way of growing things. The lack of sustainability just, you know, it's sort of like, it's like growing weed and using pesticide. I mean, come on, it's an oxymoron, you know, who wants to eat or smoke weed with pesticide in it? Nobody. So, so you know, I mean, it's just an oxymoron. It's just not even mentioned. So all of these things come out, and of course, you're absolutely right. I think, I think when you talk about aquaponics, you know, it's almost easier to see it. Uh, again, from from my perspective, I always say, you know, those fish are, you know, those are the those are the fertilizer bags, and the fertilizer all wrapped into one, and it's it's those are the bacteria and nematodes and protozoa, and they're doing it. It's yeah, it's a beautiful um, system. So.
0: And we actually use a method called dual root zone planting. So we take a pot, the bottom half of it's the hydrogen, and that floods and drains just like you would in a normal aquaponic system in a you know a flood table.
3: Mm-hmm. And the
0: upper half is soil. So we have a whole area for our mycorrhizae, for our terrestrial microbes, and the other half for our aquatic microbes, which have their own web, which is completely different, in some ways different, in some ways the same, depending on what microbe you're talking about and what... Right. What nutrient process that, that's entirely separate, and to be you know I, I I'm super excited and super glad to have people like you and and I know Ken has has had people come out and test his microbiology of that. Um, I know there's a group from NASA that came and tested the different micro microbiome uh, from his aquaponics system in order to try and figure out which microbes were required in order to go you know if they wanted to do a Mars mission or something, um, you know which microbes are are critical to doing you know breaking down phosphorus, breaking down nitrogen, breaking up in an aquatic environment because it's different than the ones that are in, tr- in soil. Not all of them are different, but some of them are, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, they are.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, but they're complementary, as you say. I mean, and so yep. you can use them both. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, uh, my, my only problem is that that I, I, and I'm and beginning to people, people send me microbes all the time to chest. Um, and I understand how you can have one kind of mycorrhizal fungi and have it be effective. But when somebody says to me, here, here are five bacteria, bacterium, put them in your soil, they're going to be effective. And I'm thinking about, um, about this, you know, the 55,000 different kinds of bacteria. I ha- you know, I'm like, so, uh, you, you know, you, you, what you're talking about is a whole system's worth of, it's not one or two kinds of bacteria. You're talking about a whole system. Now, I, I use a modified aquaponic system in my winter gardens. Um, I have, I have uh, what I call koi, they're just 15 cent goldfish that, I, that I've kept for years and years and years. And so, uh, of course, when I say my winter garden here, I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. And that means uh, that I got to pick the stuff up and, uh, <laughs> and bring them in and they're nine months in my greenhouse. And so I use the, the water to, to, to feed my plants, sure. God, you know, and I love it. And I keep thinking to myself. Well, let's see now. What if I stuck a whole plant in there? You know, think you think it's not fair to the goldfish, but I'm I'm awfully close, I got to say. So I think maybe this winter I'm going to have to do a real system. Uh, you, you you may have hooked me in a little bit, but
4: that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. We love.
0: This uh, I know. Well, for example, in an aquatic environment, you have nitrous, um, uh, you have nitrobacter to nitrosoma to nit or nitrospira to nitrosoma, um, in terms of the evolution of that, and then. We still don't, you know, uh, I know Mammoth uh, Company, Mammoth P has done some work on the aquatic version of, of the, the phosphorus breakdown. But no one's ever actually really sat down and mapped out the aquatic version for potassium and for, for calcium and for iron and for boron and for manganese and for molybdenum and, you know, so on and so on. So that's one of the, one of the areas that I'm super excited for people like you as well as, you know, some of the companies that are out there that are working on this stuff and see what you know to map this stuff out so we can figure out what we need to boost not just broadly boosting and i heard you speak on a recent interview uh, with dude grows uh they're very good friends of mine about how it's it's not so much important especially with the mycorrhizae that's just blanketly put lots of different mycorrhizae it's very important as to which mycorrhizae do you want to talk on that a little bit more
3: yeah i mean when you're talking about cannabis so far well, first of all, there are about, I think, 350 known mycorrhizal fungi. And one of the big problems, and, and, you know, that's since 1895, we, you know, people have discovered those. Uh, there are about 15 that we know how to duplicate and can breed enough sufficiently so that we can, you know, commercialize them. Um, there's only one that will inoculate cannabis. So, uh, you know, when you go out and buy something that's designed, you know, for cannabis, it really only needs to have rhizophagus uh, interacetes is the name of the of, of it. It's, it. That's the current name uh, based upon it. it's RG, RDNA. Uh, it's also called glomus mossy, which was the first one that was identified or was able to be grown in the lab. Uh, it's also been called uh, Glomus interacides and uh uh ragus vagus mossy. So uh it's got a lot of different needs, but it's that's the only one you need. If you're buying other ones, unless you've got a cover crop, you're wasting your time. You're wasting money. Uh, you know, again, a good case of okay, go overboard, more is better. Which is sort yeah of like, you know, that's what you were talking about, you know, Marty before about over gardening. Uh, more is better all the time. No, that's not true. You want you want the right balance as you, as you know.
4: Right. Or even I think a lot of people think that oh well I can put in as much as I can put in until I burn my plants or like as long as I'm not seeing anything negative I must be doing good. And I think that there's you know that's not really you know you could not see see negative effects like burning and still be stunting growth or right. prohibiting <clears throat> the plant from from growing or attracting insects, you know, there's a number of different things that can be negative effects of adding too much nutrients that aren't just nutrient burn.
3: Yeah. And one of the problems I've always had, and I I, I talked about this in a recent podcast before, is that how do you tell whether what you're doing is working, you know, in a timely basis? and, And to me, the most important thing is, Am I increasing the microbes? Am I supporting my microbes, or are my microbes declining? Uh, I want to. I want to know that, and that's always been the big problem. Now, I can send in to Soil Food Web Lab and find out whether I've got a fungal versus a bacterial dominance. Uh, but it takes you know takes some money, uh, and it takes a, a couple, three, four, five days. Uh, I want to you know I want to know right away in the field. And so lately, I've been dealing with this. A gadget called a microbiometer. Um, and you you take a soil sample, and you, you mix it right up there in the field. And you put a drop on this little card, and you take a picture of it with your with your cell phone. And it tells you gives you a number for what your micro is. So if I am putting compost down, and I take a test afterwards and I've got a higher microbiomass, I know that compost is doing something. If it's got a lower microbiomass, I know I've done something wrong. So those are the kinds of things that, that, that I'm looking for. How do you test? Uh, how, do you, how do you do it in a, a way that we can all do it so that we can, we can tell, for example, this is what I'm really looking for. And, and, and that's why I mentioned this company. And it's if you go to microbiometer.com, you'll see it. When the inventor tells me a cannabis plant is going into a flowering situation Its exudates drop. Oh, my gosh, if we can measure that with this gadget, and he claims we're going to be able to, well, then all of a sudden, you know, we picked up a piece of information that we can use for something to happen before it happens. Whoa, right. I want to know that, you know, or let's take your fish. At some point in time, that poop becomes usable, that urine becomes usable. You've got a couple of week period where it's not.
4: Sure. Uh,
3: and there are things that happen at the period of time when it becomes usable that increase the microbial biomass. If you could measure that, of course, you guys know it takes two weeks or whatever the time is. Uh, wow. But there are things we can measure, I hope, and do it in the, with enough people so that we can get new tools we're not gonna get help from the government in this cannabis field. We're gonna have to do it ourselves. And well, we're I gonna have right. to do it in crowdsourcing. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. You can't send Jeff Lowenfels a microbe and say test this. You gotta <laughs> send you gotta send 35 people and say test it this way using this instrument and these parameters. So anyway,
4: yeah. Well I think, think it that? runs kind of a nice parallel against some of the systems that Ken is running at his farm over there. I know he has, uh, you know, the cameras that look down onto his plants and, um, and reads the, the plants in, in all kinds of different ways. What is it, can? It's like growth and um, a number of different things, right?
2: Uh, yeah, those cameras, they can measure temperature, CO2 levels, humidity, uh, red, green, blue, parlite, um, and, and a variety of other parameters. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating being able to take pictures every 15 seconds and, and uh, measuring all those different factors and then being yeah. able to um, pinpoint a particular plant if it's experiencing stress, basically, by by uh, the logarithms that allow that, that information to be taken in. So it's just fascinating how the whole ag tech sector is going to be changing. And the idea of being able to take a drone instead of having to provide a nutrient boost or a, a foliar spray to an entire field or an entire crop you'd be able to target each individual plant and give that plant exactly what it needs so uh, i think it's fascinating with this microbial and all this information that's coming out in technology nowadays um you know the whole agricultural landscape is going to be drastically changed i think in the in the near future
4: oh good question yeah i think it'd be neat too to incorporate something like he's talking about where your system could also you know, take essentially like a snapshot of the microbial profile with an instrument like what he has you know sometime in the future because that would give you another level to sort of incorporate into your software and be able to uh, I'm sure make use of that too and like your feeding schedule or any of that stuff
3: yeah I mean there's no question that power uh, comes from information and and again we're not going to get it from the government it's, it's pretty clear you know we got a little you know Little elf down there, or cookie elf. Uh, uh, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be lucky if we can even be talking about this stuff without putting you know pseudonyms. Sure. You know, I, I I I'm very good friends with with Jorge Cervantes and you know George didn't go by George up until about four or five years ago, and he's thinking to himself now, oh my god, <laughs> right. now they're gonna come get him. He's taking his sunglasses off, you know, uh, and, <laughs> and and it's uh, you know it's. It's a Remember serious problem. Remember,
0: we father. used to do the DVDs, and he was all in green.
3: He dyed <laughs> himself
0: green
1: back that's, in the day. That's my hero. There, Jorge is my hero. <laughs> he's a funny guy.
3: He's a I funny don't... guy. But 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 he, you know, he'll, he's the first to tell you. God, the, the the information that we can gather now from electronics and these microbial tests. This this test uses a membrane. Well, first of all, using the cell phone is so cool, but it uses a membrane. She's going to be able to tell you fungal bacteria ph you know it's uh i mean this is medical grade stuff she's a medical grade microbiologist it's just a uh you know and just we've got a window here where which may close tomorrow you know when sessions decides to shut all this stuff down but my god we got to push this stuff as far as we can uh all of dr elaine's compost tea work and uh uh you know all this mycorrhizal stuff and oh my gosh and cover crops and uh, but you're right the ag- the ags sector will never be the same now that we have google and and uh, cell phones and yeah. I
0: feel like well, you I want know to... more I feel like you know more than most do you want to talk a little bit about how the cannabis industry and some of the the innovative things and some of the research from us is kind of spilling over to general agriculture because I think a lot of people don't realize how much that a lot of the funding for general agriculture and production actually came out of the cannabis industry or stuff that was discovered in the cannabis industry and is now being applied to to ag crops do you want to talk a little bit on that or
3: yeah i'll talk a little bit on it i mean you guys probably know more than i do but you know the the the, i i just came back from the garden writers of america where we had our conference you know that tom and i always always go to um and uh there's a guy named dan himes who's a very famous uh perennial plant explorer developer uh, he has a thing called Terra Nova nurseries and and uh, he and I gave the very first talk the garden writers of America have ever had on uh, why a garden writer might want to write about cannabis <laughs> they never would let us do it George used to submit his books and they you know summarily throw, throw them out um, but it's not so much that that it's it's that people who are regular gardeners are coming around to the way that cannabis gardeners gr- or cannabis growers grow first of all right. organically or organically uh, they understand and and they understand that a lot of the stuff that they're using like mycorrhizal fungi that they buy great white shark etc you know that all developed in the in the hydroponics industry for the cannabis industry uh, you know they understand uh you know, the use of biologicals in a way that they wouldn't before, because now they, you know, they've seen these big rooms with these big green plants everywhere. Uh, uh, you know, so they try to emulate that kind of stuff. Uh, um, a lot of the soil mixes uh, have been developed. And, and and every time I see a new plant at, the, at this particular uh, convention, there were three companies that had new products like this microbiometer. And uh, one of them was a bacterial mix. And when I said to him, gee, how's, how's it do with cannabis? First of all, you know, he was pretty taken aback. Uh, but, but second of all, when he, when he saw nobody was looking, cause he had a stigma, he said, Oh my God, what do you think we developed this stuff? I mean, you know I mean? It's, so, so it's this direct correlation, uh, there's direct correlation. There's a mycorrhizal fungus, um, that I use from a guy in Rhode Island who's a pumpkin grower. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know where he got his advice about his mycorrhizal fungus. It came from a guy who develops a product that is used by almost every cannabis grower or was for a long time. So uh, there's, a, there's been an incredible infection of the home market with cannabis techniques. And, you know, you look at the grow pots Those aren't, those aren't for my dick. (laughs) Those, those grow pots are definitely for the cannabis field. I know, you know, um, you know, but people use them. So uh, you think about the, um, you know, the netting. Okay, you know, I mean, uh, where did that come from? That, you know, that wasn't for my nasturtiums. Uh, So a lot of this stuff is, is, and then of course, you go to every town in America now that we're, particularly where it's legal, uh, and there is a gross store. What do we used to call them? Hydroponic stores. Right. Um, they're not hydroponic stores anymore. They're gross stores, and they've got as as much soil stuff and soil food web stuff as they as they have hydroponic stuff. Um, right. So yeah, we, it- have,
4: we have lots of them. Like there's probably ten of them within you know the little Rogue Valley right here. There's Absolutely. maybe even more than that. Yeah, <laughs> there's, and there's and. A lot of
3: them. and Yeah, and they say the can they say I mean I've sort of coined the phrase and I and steal it and spread it. Cannabis is the next tomato, as far as the home grower. Uh, It's a beautiful plant. Uh, There are infinite colors and varieties and shapes and sizes and tastes and smells. Some have leaf color, some have flower color, some are tall, some you know. This is a landscape plant if I ever saw one. This is a deck plant and. What we've discovered in the in the gardening field is that people are growing in pots now. They're they're growing on their condo and their decks. They don't have big farms. They don't have big houses, and this is the plant. This is it. So yeah, it's exciting. Very exciting.
0: So we often we often talk about silica and the importance of silica. Do you want to talk on silica a little bit? There's some people out there that still don't think they need to dose it, which I think is kind of goofy.
3: Well, uh, I mean, let's start with soil. I mean, the silica is phenomenal for the soil. Uh, it just it's just good in the soil. it makes for good soil structure. Um, silica you know is a carbon a, a carbon twin in a sense um, and and uh, you know there there are some people who claim it's an essential element uh, and and so yeah, you should include it. Is it one of the eighteen? Mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> uh what do you think roger well
6: (laughs) if it ain't one of the 18 you should have 19
3: (laughs)
0: yeah we'll we'll, we'll put it that way (laughs) (laughs) yeah
6: Yeah.
3: Well, well the other thing is you know you have to take into consideration not just the plant but this in my case anyway the soil food web critters that feed the plant and it might not be the nematode, you know, it might be a, you know, a springtail way up on the top, you know, that that does use silica, you know, or a, uh, uh, a sow, sal- a bug that, uh, you know, that, that uh, circulates its own urine because it needs copper so badly, uh, you know, that it eats its own poop because it needs copper, you know, so uh, you got to keep an open mind about this stuff. But there are only 18. Uh, and, and if you did not have silica at all. Would you be able to grow a wonderful plant? Yes. Uh, Does it seem to make a difference? Yes. Why? I'm not so sure. Okay, 18
6: and a half
0: Yeah. I've read some really interesting white papers where they took um, side-by-side crops, both cannabis as well as a few other vegetable crops, and they actually showed a difference in gene expression and genes that specifically corresponded to heat stress and disease resistance and, mm-hmm. and, and the plant's immune system, and that the silica played a role in gene expression specifically, uh, which I found was very interesting, mm-hmm. and I was kind of curious to, if you had any thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, how does it get in, how does it get inside the cell? Uh, it doesn't, I don't think, uh, you know, it's certainly maybe in the cell walls, but you know, does it trigger the signal? Does it bump against a uh, particular kind of, uh, you know, membrane protein, uh, and cause it to do something? I don't know. I don't know. It's not something that, I, but I can tell you what. I'm 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 going to spend a little bit of time uh, this weekend <laughs> taking a look at it. Uh,
4: uh, you know, see, the I mean, next book will be teeming with silica.
3: <laughs> well, you never know. I, up, m- yeah. I might have to. I might have to, uh, you know, put a special, a special uh, edition of teeming with nutrients out. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of hoping to see if you ever end up doing like a, a teaming with aquatics or something to do with talk about <laughs> aquatic microbes.
3: You know, here's the problem: <laughs> when you write it, when you write a book, you gotta you got you go into this little hole in the ground, a rabbit hole. And you're down in that rabbit hole all by yourself. And, you know, every now and then, you, you, you know, my wife, I could hear my wife saying, time eat oh, no, no, no. oh, shit, I got to come out of the rabbit hole. You know, and then I, I got to leave everything. You know, where did I, I read this and where is, uh, you know, so you never want to leave the rabbit hole because you lose yourself, you lose your place. And so you spend three really unpleasant years with yourself in this little dark rabbit hole. And then you get out of it and you go, I am never going to do that again and for the first book that lasted about six months the second book that lasted about a year <laughs> and for this book it may last the rest of my life
4: <laughs> i don't know well you've got a solid uh, collection anyway, you go that route you've, you've got three good ones in in the bank so nothing wrong with that. nothing wrong with that
3: well, yeah. I appreciate it. I, uh, but I always tell people it's not it's not me; it's the subject matter. You know, I, I caught the organic wave on that first book, uh, and the wave is still going; it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, I never thought, but when I was writing that book, well, I did. I thought it, but when I would give talks, people would laugh at me, and so I stopped. I stopped saying it. i you know, we walk into a Safeway today, or whatever your supermarket is there's an organic section there and it's 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 it's, it's like the blob is getting bigger <laughs> you know meat you know milk vegetables you know i always like to go for my manager you know at the beginning i used to say what do you think we only like
4: some of our food organic the rest of it we want chemicals you know uh but i just want to reverse it like if we could get 10 percent chemical food and then 90 percent organic food throughout the rest of the store then i would be happy like well we'll get in there we're going we're gonna get 100 it's of getting world. closer yeah well yeah, uh, especially here like and, and even some of the bigger stores like Safeway, for instance is one of the ones that I, you know they're getting uh you know tons of more organic stuff and it's nice because they're they're a chain store so they're everywhere you go you go on vacation <clears laughs> We know if we can't find a natural food store, at least we can find a Safeway and be able to get some pretty good options.
3: So, so we're going to be able to get aquaponic fish. <laughs> a little label.
4: <laughs> I, I'm spoiled at soon home. Enough, actually, tomatoes and lemon cucumbers and all that. That would stuff. be but amazing.
3: I, yeah. but we're
1: working on the fish side of it too. Yeah, we're working on the fish side. Yeah, yeah I know right. we're
0: we're working on a different type of uh. Well, well I shouldn't mention this yet, but yeah. we're there are well, you guys saw how the 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 organic certification of if you guys are following that today, the organic certification looks like they're going to deny aquaponic and hydroponic growers, so we're going to have to set out our own standard that's still you know highly pure and and accounts for all the things that would normally be consumer concerns uh, and, and you know if they're going to deny us organic, we have to come out with our own
3: well on, i think I mean and I think that's probably almost in a way better um mm-hmm because I think you get to control it a little bit better, but uh, you don't have to don't pick like up the that. baggage.
0: Current organic doesn't account for carbon footprint or a whole lot of other things that are now actually additional factors beyond just the stuff that they originally, you know, trying to, to address when they were originally set out with that, that standard. So I think we could do much better than the organic standard as it stands now.
6: Yeah,
3: yeah. And, and, and it would be an interesting...
6: saying earlier about the testing and, and not uh not even being able to count on the government whatever but you guys are talking about right now it, i think it is better i think jeff's 100 right that it be left in the hands of the passionate experts who eat and breathe this stuff come up with the system it's going to be a better mousetrap the world's going to follow and I, yeah i think it's going to be awesome when all you guys kind of get your section of that book or that <laughs> manual together. That, that uh, will work uh, fine it works for a while. For while cannabis it be
1: awesome, dude. It works not just for, just for cannabis, cannabis, but industry, for, for but crops too. In the vegetable yeah. industry, because in the vegetable industry, the fact that you can't be certified organic, you know, but if as far as cannabis goes, I can see we're setting our own having our own area. But if you try to because Better than I'm a hydroponic, commercial hydroponic grower for vegetables, so I grow for whole, uh, well, not currently up, I've been down, I'm not gonna go into all that, but I've been down for a couple of years. But my, my farm, I grew for Whole Foods, okay? I grew for Whole Foods. And in South Carolina, you can get registered using the hydroponics as organic. And, but <laughs> Unless you do that and go through four years of a qualification, you're considered conventional. So I have to sell my produce, and a lot of times, for the same price as a guy that's a row crop and he's not spending anywhere near the money or the quality of the fruit, it's mm-hmm. you know, I surpass their quality. I mean, Whole Foods love my peppers, you know, I'm a pepper grower, I, I, love, I specialize in peppers, I love peppers, I love to cook. But I just wanted to throw that in about that when you were saying, you know, we create our own niche, that but that's only going to work in the cannabis industry, it's and until maybe you know another 20 or 30 I'm not saying never but you know because never is a long time but right now as far as I'm I I know I've been affected by that in my own business so I know it's going to be a real tough sell to ever have our own hydroponic or aquaponics niche that they consider where they're going to pay you more money like they do organic because if you got that organic certification you get two or three
4: times as much for your produce right off the bat I think that you know, when you start with a plant like cannabis already, you know, we touched on the, the fact that it's responsible for a lot of research. And part of the reason is because people are willing to pay so much more for the product itself. You know, people don't pay, you know, $2,000 a pound for indoor tomatoes, you know, but they gladly will for quality medicine and especially in the right markets. So, um, you know, I feel like just the the fact that it doesn't really – cost all that much different to grow a tomato plant versus a cannabis plant but you have such a drastic difference in cost that uh you know it really allows for a lot of that research to happen and be self-funded whereas you, you you couldn't really do that if you were you know growing corn or something like that because you're just trying to make a living on the profit selling your your stuff at you know subsidized extremely low costs and, uh, and so, which I think is part of the reason why a lot of cannabis growers are concerned about legalization in large farms and the, you know, the price dropping out um, in, in a lot of places, even though we haven't seen that, like even in Colorado, you know, it, it sort of dropped initially and the stayed down pretty low, but it hasn't gone to the $10 a pound that, you know, a lot of people were freaking out about it going to. And, uh, but but I do see that there, you know, there's probably a line in there somewhere, you know, as we get more commercial and at you know more of that stuff happens there's you know i think at least the potential for for another price drop and with more more states that come on board and i think things will really change if we ever get you know actual lift of prohibitions where you know you can open up state lines for instance in uh you know a state like nevada that can't really meet its own needs in terms of of cannabis uh can go next door to california which is it's always done anyway for, and forever, <clears throat> um, you know, to be able to just legally transfer those like you can legally transfer tomatoes. You know, there's, uh, I, I feel like when that happens, there'll be such a, a large boost that, that that might be a time in which you could see that fall in the market. But um, I, I do think that it's, uh, it's interesting that you, you have such a similar cost in terms of growing a plant versus what you can produce and and sell that product for if you have a you're trying to run a small farm and you can all of a sudden sell a product that's you know a thousand times higher in price then it makes it a lot easier to become sustainable even if you're just a, a, a small place you're not just selling kale or peppers or whatever and like Roger's talking about you have you know you can sell your product for three to four times as much by getting it labeled organic or all of those things, it's that same kind of effect where you know you need that as the small grower, and I think it sucks for them to take away you know just to say to deny it to say that if you're aquaponics you're going to get denied if you're you know hydro you're going to get denied without even really factoring in right. what it is just with a generic label on it is <clears throat> really going to is again on
0: The USDA just did a research study on the microbiology of both soil and aquaponic systems and organic hydroponic systems. Guess what came in third of the three? Hydroponic, organic. Okay, guess what came in second? Soil. Guess what came in first? Aquaponic. Guess what comes in double soil and aquaponic? Dual root zone, because you got both. So, to tell me that dual root zone aquaponics is not organic is laughably stupid i have double the number of organic microbes in the soil zone of a soil or a hydroponic grower how are you going to tell me that's not organic
6: so and so do I, you, the only
1: yeah, thing I to say real quick about that because we've been building on this real quick for so i can let jeff get back in here um is that yeah but the still thing is still not everybody is using totally organic stuff in their aquaponics so you got to get that level of where they've got to use like some of you guys are totally like brain grow. He's one hundred percent organic. Does everything he adds to his fish are all organic, right? So I just wanted to throw that in. And Jeff, I saw Jeff start to open his mouth. No, I was just. That.
3: I mean, I was just thinking. I, th- I think the aqua-, aqua aquaponics gets painted. You shouldn't be lumped with hydroponics let's put it that way yeah
0: um, i agree too and i'm a hydroponic guy so i well, agree And aquaponics we rely solely on our microbes they're the single most important aspect of the entire grow without them the whole system collapses immediately so for to to, to, to say that that's not organic is ridiculous
3: yeah it doesn't make any sense to me i mean so what are you telling I me mean, those fish are full of anyway that,
6: <laughs> it, it's, I think so, you gotta, it's so organic <laughs> the organic beings with the fins on them, are freaking swimming around? That's how organic it is. Okay. Robots. I mean, I'm just saying here. The little robots. Yeah. Little fertilizer yeah, yeah, robots.
3: Exactly. So, so again, I think you got a situation where, where it'll be better. I think if it's a separate, and not linked with hydroponics, that's for sure. You know, I mean, uh, I think I think that's a bad that's a bad duality there for for the aquaponics. Side. Um, yeah i think
1: yeah, what i've learned about aquaponics i believe it. you know if you do follow the guidelines it's as organic as anything
4: i've seen you know it's certainly almost, a
1: lot more organic than miracle grow that's for sure
4: it's almost in a way uh, uh like even better because even if like he mentioned some some people <laughs> don't uh just add in you know only organic stuff you know some people add in different things from different sources and you know, that just because it's fish safe doesn't mean it's organic and you know all that different stuff and again organic is just a label that you pay for and all that stuff too but the fact that it is still dominated by microbial life is going to give you that buffer the same kind of soil that uh, um in the same way that our natural soils and microbes break down that stuff and separate it and feed the plants what they need and expose what they don't then um Then you have to have that buffer there in order for aquaponics to work. Like Steve was talking about, if you if you produced uh, an aquaponic, let's tomato or pepper or whatever. Then you if you produce that fruit in an aquaponic system, then that's almost a better label as it being an aquaponic than it being organic. Does that make sense in a way? Because you can't really have that microbial buffer; the system can't be successful with without that microbial buffer there so you're not gonna you wouldn't produce the fruit you wouldn't have anything to sell if it wasn't successful whereas in a hydro grow or any of those other ones you can you can cheat you can do it different ways and put stuff in without having those microbes there to help keep out those different pathogens that that they tested for they tried to find it in the test that steve's talking about was was essentially sponsored by people that wanted to demonstrate that soil was better still had to publish it but then in the end we didn't getting the certification anyway so it's a little frustrating but
6: organic and
5: also from the marketing standpoint you can also uh think about it that when people see that on the shelf they're going to think oh this was sustainably grown right that's going to be more attractive to some people
4: yeah i think the aquaponic label should just become better than the organic label like i think we should just not care that we can't get their stupid label that doesn't really mean anything and understand that just the label of an aquaponic product getting to the market has already gone through competitive exclusion in order to succeed. In order to produce the fruit, they had to at least follow certain guidelines, and more so, I think, than soil in order to be successful. Um,
6: it's like the early days of, of organics. You used to see all the hoops that everybody had to jump through that were doing organics, and then it, you know it took, off, it took off, and it took off. I think the difference here is you've got the internet. You can get the word out faster. But I I 100% support what Marty's saying. It it is a different thing. You can be told something's organic, or you can go on the website, and you can look at the fish from the farm that you're about to eat the salad from and go, (laughs) those fish look damn good. You know, there's a certain part of you that just recognizes, maybe I shouldn't eat something that has a longer shelf life than I do maybe it's a benefit to me to be eating all these live things in me and I can get on the website and I can see the fish are swimming under my broccoli and that's what <laughs> I'm, I my plate. I agree with Marty, I really do. Yeah,
4: and I think play, places like Ken's Farm is a perfect example of that where you can you know you can go and see where the where the stuff is grown. You can there's a transparency to it yeah. that I don't feel like you get right. when you go through other places and that that, that to me uh, of having the label being aquaponics and the transparency of being able to see where it's grown and, and produced uh, sustainably and responsibly is every bit as valuable as the organic label that you could pay for that, you know, really is just to make sure that you pay for it
1: that's something I, I actually realized Ken was here. Okay, oh, I see you ready to speak, Ken, because I was going to ask you something anyway, because I brought up and I forgot you, because I've never you know been on the show before. I forgot that you're on here and you got a large, way larger than me, commercial aquaponics grow. So what are your, your thoughts about what I was saying about how the organic and the aquaponic would, you know, settle in price-wise in the, you know, as far as your margins in the store, like to, you know, to sell it and stuff like that?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, we 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 market all of our products as, as aquaponics. We we have chosen not to get organic certification because um, uh, we honestly believe with aquaponics, uh, it, the the quality is way better than you can calling you know it, it, organic is almost an insult to the quality of what we can produce in our in our farm. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's an interesting combination. I mean. It, Steve had mentioned earlier that there were a couple of NASA microbiologists that came out to our farm and took some samples from ours from a couple other aquaponics uh, facilities actually from a hydroponics facility as well and tested the microbiome of those different types of systems and they found there was almost no correlation whatsoever between the microbiome of any of those different types of systems now even the hydroponic system had probably half the micro, microbiology is one of the aquaponic systems, but there was still an enormous amount of microbiology there and supposedly a sterile system. The two closest microbiomes of any of those were between uh, a koi pond and an aquaponic system that were across the street from each other. So that was the closest sort of comparison. So it's, it's fascinating really in that sense. And, uh, and what Marty was saying, I, with aquaponics, it is. It, we market it as that way. It's know your farm, know your farmer. Um, one of the great things about being where we are uh, is uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, you really have a, a, an, um, a wise consumer base or a very knowledgeable consumer base that understands where food and where food comes from uh, and they're they're demanding local stuff they want to know who their farmer is who where their food is grown yeah. how their food is grown it's not this you know we, we, we don't want it labeled because it's too confusing and it's gonna be too expensive no the consumers are actually demanding local stuff. Um, And making sure that they they know the people that's growing their food and how was this food grown and with aquaponics one of the great things is it's it is that natural ecosystem that is really super efficient at growing food not and not only in that efficiency, but also in flavor and taste and, you know, having that the the fish as well. It's really uh, an amazing experience being able to grow food for people as Jessica and I both say it is a, a both an honor and a responsibility to grow food and we're super happy
4: to be able to do that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, aquaponics, you know, is is definitely just an extension of, of so many different things of sustainability and different things that have, you know, occurred over time. Like one of the terms that we talk about a lot in the PFA group is the biomimicry. So basically trying to copy on almost every level what happens in, in nature. And so when you think about that uh, in terms of the all these microbes that we're talking about almost every body of large body of water that filters water in nature is going to have some type of fish in it once you get to a certain size it's almost unavoidable um and then even still you shrink down to a size of a mud puddle and you still have these little mud fish that can swim from mud puddle to mud puddle to survive and so you get uh you know I, I feel like that there are very few bodies, large bodies of water where these microbes wouldn't be present, where fish aren't extending microbes through their gut via their poop in the same way that we have gut and bacteria to break stuff down and it gets extended through us and our waste, the same thing happens there. So I think in terms of true biomimicry, you have to include uh, you know, fish and worms um, that are, are going to exist on on you know, pretty much any any soil environment that is going to be producing plants are are probably going to have to incorporate those in some line, even if it's not directly. Uh, you know, maybe it's down the line, or maybe it's <clears throat> uh, right there close to it. Um, but that extension is going to happen, so I, it makes sense to me when we test these environments and find out aquaponic systems have a higher diversity because what's creating diversity is constantly in the system and making it more of an ecosystem that you can expand on. So you can have fish in the tank and worms in the bed. And, uh, you know, like Steve talks about with the dual root zone, we can add a soil layer. Um, you know, you get you get people that have uh, lots of different biofilters, um, you know, and inoculate with uh, different things or, or do ferments that we can add into the dual root zone layer. Uh, like Brango does, does a ton of that stuff on his channel. And so I think when you start incorporating those those different elements of, of how nutrients get broken down, that's that's when I feel like it starts to really come together for me and in, in understanding. Like if you're really going to be like especially like an indoor gardener or try to um, try to create a system of your own, it's going to have to be pretty broad. It's not going to just be a you know a simple thing to get a lot of success. You know. You think about how complicated nature is. it There's layers to it, so I feel like that's why the dual root zone is successful, or or even larger systems like Ken has, where he has a lot of different. Uh, you know, you have the black soldier flies, you have the red worms, you have a lot of different things. Even though they might not be in the closed loop, you bring them into the system at some point via teas or feeding or different stuff, and uh, just copying what happens in nature becomes. You know, you can definitely do it at different levels. It can be really simple or really advanced. But I feel like the more advanced you get, and the more you copy what happens in nature, the more success you have, and the better the plants look and taste, smoke, whatever.
0: Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit about on that? On uh, as far as molasses, and then I don't know if you have any experience with uh, lactobacillus ferments. Do you want to talk about those? Either one of those, or both, ideally.
3: Well, yeah, you know, I don't. I'm not really. I I use compost tea and I use compost extracts. Uh, I don't use EM. I, I, you know, I've tried it. Um, um, you know, uh, to me, I want diversity. I want numbers. I want mass. I don't, you know, and and I find that the EM, it's great for Bokashi, you know, it's terrific in the wintertime for when I got things I can't get out to the compost pile. It just doesn't have the big diversity that I want. And, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure that I've, that I've got those 14 different microbes already in my compost. Um, So
0: one of the things that we found that it works really good for is actually isolating some of the proteins for the plants, especially for chlorophyll-specific proteins, Uh, and and then introducing them into the root zone, we found that it actually will readily uptake pretty quickly via the root system.
3: And how how do you isolate them?
0: Uh, using uh, lactobacillus actually. Lactobacillus will actually mm-hmm. pretty readily break down uh, um, a lot, a lot of different plant sources into phytocyanin, mm-hmm. which phytocyanin is your 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 base protein for for a lot of your chlorophylls, chlorophyll a and chlorophyll b at least.
3: Correct so, me if I'm wrong. And you don't think the stuff is already in the compost that you're putting down if you're using
0: compost? Uh, no, it's in it. But I, I've so Not we've actually done con- some tests Ooh. and and some of Not the plants the we've done
3: you all right I'm yeah sorry. i just knocked my computer
0: that's all um so we've actually tested some plants uh mainly pepper plants actually that weren't watered at all for three weeks that uh, uh, someone who was supposed to be taking care of my garden forgot <laughs> to take care of my garden and then we went and introduced uh basically some isolated phytocyanin and it basically resurrected the plants from from death that the leaves are crispy uh, there wasn't a single leaf on it that would work. The rock was—I mean, the soil was so hard you couldn't put your finger in it. You know, it was just a brick. And mm-hmm. uh, put a little water, post phytocyanin and you know the plants came back to life in a way that I've never seen anything else work. And I was—I mm-hmm. I was curious to see if you could talk about that at all, or if you had any ideas to yeah, you know,
3: I don't. I—I uh, I would love that. That when we do these things, we always do controls. I never do, you know. I always I do every plant. I figure, hey, this is gonna, this is working. I do every plant, and of course, even if I didn't do every plant, in Alaska we're only allowed six. You know, uh, <laughs> so how do you do controls on these things? That's what I. Is it the water? Is it the? Uh, I'm not. I'm not doubting what you're saying. I'm just saying, I don't have the facilities to be able to do that. So, well, so for uh-huh. example,
0: I'll send you some uh, instructions and maybe you can test it.
3: I mean, I would love to test it, but again, I don't trust my testing. What I would like to do is take those instructions and have one of my friends down in Oregon who's got a license, has got enough plants to be able sure. to test it so that we've got a control with it. That's that's all I'm saying. And I'd I think love
0: to.
3: Yeah. No, and I'm not doubting you any, by any means whatsoever, but I think that's one of the big problems we have as growers is, you know, we tend to, we know this works and so we do it.
4: You do it uh, every month, you know. yeah. yeah. I love that totally guilty of that i do that all the time and, and i'm also guilty of not really staying very consistent in the way that i grow if i feel like i can improve on something i change it and then i change it on everything <clears throat> so i don't think i've grown the same way twice in a way that i could really say that like this way is better than that way like they've all had certain measures of success but i'm always i'm always hesitant to like say that one thing was better than the other because they're, it, you know, like you're saying, like I only have a certain number of plants to grow it. So I have, didn't have a control group. You know, I'm, I'm probably my biggest critic in that way because I'll, I'll never be like, oh yeah, well, you know, you definitely should do that because I did it this way and that way and it turned out like this, you know, because I don't,
6: this is what I hate about you guys.
4: You know, like, I hate this about you guys. You're so freaking good at
6: what you do and a new grower like me who comes up I don't know what it is you're doing. You 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 change too many variables at once. You (laughs) just doing it, grow by grow by variables, and then report back to us, idiots, so we can learn how to grow.
3: See, that's why I don't think we're using the internet properly. I I I mean, I really think we we've gotten we've gotten. so to the point now where people are willing to come off a grass city and places like that you know and be public and you know and show their faces and talk about growing stuff so now we know people grow it we know there's a lot of people grow it what we wouldn't it be terrific if we got like 20 different experiments and you just pick one don't you don't do all 20 you just pick one of the experiments and we get 10,000 people to do these experiments and we come up and figure out what the answers are. I would love that. Because, because what, what we've got now is, uh, you know, some really good things that are working, but we're not positive why. And we need to know better and some people have the tools and some don't you know some people have access to dna genome sequencing and other people don't you know and so we need to design these experiments for the average person so that we can test them and try them out and right see the
6: work.
1: well hey. we do a lot of that. we we have a really great thing at ilovegrowingmarijuana.com that that we when we i've been teaching there for 3 years and and what's happened is we've gotten the following of membership if we tell them that we're trying something like I did this past year or so, I've been experimenting with very shorter, much shorter photo periods, like fourteen ten. So I'm vegging at fourteen ten, and I've got like 25, 30 people on the forum growing at fourteen ten. Now I decided this year I'm going to I'm going to lengthen it a little bit. I want a little more strength, you know, in my in my you know cell. I don't believe I'm getting a I'm getting the root zone, but I'm not getting the I'm not getting the the, the the top growth as much as I'm, you know, the strength. Although I don't want a real woody plant anyway, in my opinion, I don't want my plant to get super woody. But I see a lot of real woody plants out there, and and my, my stuff's dro- always drooping, because it's, you know it's, more, you know, it's not, I guess I don't give it enough nitrogen or whatever, but it's funny you were mentioning that earlier too, about not doing so much anymore. Like, and I love that that you say, it almost, I, I'm glad, because, before I talk to you that much. I've seen stuff about your books. I don't have your books. I'm gonna buy them, and uh, for sure, no doubt about it. Um, but I, I love the. I feel like I I kind of do the way you've gone through your your growing, even though it's, you've done it for decades a little, little longer than I have. Being out somewhere, you can do it. Um, I'm in a place though where I'm stuck with the small grow too. So when I do my experiments, because I'm always experimenting. In fact. I, my yield is always not maybe as good as it could be because I'm a teacher, so I'm experimenting, but I only have room for say six plants. So, you know, I, I have to do my experiment one grow at a time. So I understand completely what you're saying about being in that situation, you know, because, but I love the idea too. And I think everybody in the panel is nuts about the fact that, yeah, we, but I want to bring it about you saying let's get 20 different experiments. Well, I love marijuana.com Give me one of your experiments and we'll get our membership to try it out.
3: Yeah, we
0: should do it, Stuart, I, you know. I, I, yeah. Uh, one of the things I, 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 so I happened to listen to the Dude Grows uh, interview, and one of the things that I thought was really awesome, you're, you're similar in the boat to I am. Your original degree was not agriculture or uh, horticulture, which I thought was really, really awesome. Do you want to talk a, a minute on that and how, you know, how it is that you've become to be one of the, the leading experts on that, having uh, maybe not well, originally I, started off on that path.
3: I I am not a leading expert. I'm a good reader, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, what happened was I I grew up on a gentleman's farm in New York. Uh, my father wanted to be a farmer. My grandfather wanted to be a farmer, and both of them had farms. And then they would, you know, during the week they would go into New York City and do their daytime jobs and come home and farm, and and so I was the indentured servant, one of them on on one of the farms. And, uh, you know, and I, and I was a good gardener. I knew how to garden, but I really knew how to garden with miracle Grow because my father and my grandfather, who put this guy in the, into business, Horace Agadorn, remained good friends with him. And so we were big miracle Grow users. And, uh, and yet at the same time, my father uh, met and became friendly with J.I. Rodale. And I remember once having a dinner, uh, sitting at dinner, and J.I. Rodale sitting there at the dinner table. Holy crow, you know uh is organic gardening uh, and so talking about the father of
1: organic gardening right
3: yeah, 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 yeah so it was I it was go. very interesting interesting guy you know I mean a uh, real businessman but but anyway um and I was I was a little kid, but uh, you know as i as I gardened uh I then went to college and I certainly wasn't going to become a farmer and so I majored in geology and uh so I got a little bit of chemistry out of that, I guess. But um, uh, and then I went, I went and went to law school, and so I ended up as a lawyer. And I ended up getting uh, shot in Boston. And uh, as I was, you know, breathing through a little hole in my neck, I said, "Geez, I'm going to get the hell away from here." And so I went to Alaska. And uh, uh, when I was in Alaska, I got here in 1972 or three. There was No live TV. There were two newspapers. There was last week's Tonight Show. You know, they fly it up on a videotape or something. Um, There were two newspapers that were run by the same company. One of them was an evil chamber of commerce company, and the other was a little teeny, you know, really cool liberal paper. And uh, the liberal paper wanted to break apart this agreement, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I ended up writing a garden column for the liberal paper. And that's how I got into this stuff. And so I've been writing a garden column every single week without missing any single week for the past 40, I think it's 43 years now. <laughs> and in fact, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, wow. God, I got to write a garden column, you know, for this weekend. But um,
4: uh, no, Aquaponics, there you go.
3: Yeah, well, I'm thinking about it. And I, I have written about aquaponics before. And when you think about the books, the reason why I think the books work is because when you write a garden column, they're about 750 words long. Now, when you go to these books, you'll look and you'll see there's a black line and then there's discussion for 750 words and then there's another black line and then there's discussion for 750 words. And so they're like little articles and and God knows I've written enough of those. (laughs) So I don't know much else. I don't know anything about geology. I don't know anything about law. I know very little about gardening but I know how to write 750 words <laughs> you know, if that's relatively clear. So that's, that's, that's why the books work, I think. Uh, and I always tell people start with teaming with microbes because that's really the, that's the seminal. Uh, and if you don't like that book, I'll buy it back at three times the price, pretty gutsy. Uh, you know, I've been saying that now for since 2006 and I've taken back none. Because nobody ever asked. so I'm hoping that you're not homeless and you don't buy 300 of them and then, <laughs> and then write me. But
4: um, he just yeah, just have to find a place to live in the Bay Area, so he might need to extort somebody for money. So yeah, yeah, I did. I move into my like, place in the Bay Area tomorrow. So
3: Why not? There yeah, there you go. Well, my son lives down there, so I'll uh, you know, I'll, I'll have him watch out, make sure you don't uh, if he, read the.
0: If he ends up yeah. dry for a minute, let me know.
3: I'll help him out. <laughs> All right, I will. He's, he's Unfortunately, he does not partake, but uh, he, used oh, okay. he used to. Okay, used to. It's always sort of a fun thing, but um. So yeah, so these books are kind of fun. Um, but people need to understand that you know nothing static. Things continually grow and change, and you know that's why you got to always continue to read and look at Google and you know do things like these podcasts. I mean, it's yep. just so important. I mean, for example. The other day, uh, I was reading this article about terpenes and how they've discovered that bacteria and these protozoa, they communicate using terpenes. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does that mean we've got an opportunity here somehow by fiddling around with these microbes to dink around with the terpene content? Mm, yeah makes you start thinking about some of these things
0: you know it's you know, really funny on that note because i haven't had a chance to read that paper yet but I'm, I'm gonna go research it now is that i've always always watered my plants with when i do bubble hash i always take the leftover water at the end after i you know filtered a yeah. second time and i take it and i pour it on my plants and i've always noticed my plants that i do that with are always <laughs> more have a higher trichome count every single time i do that but You explaining that makes it 100% sense now as to what's chemically going on because it's taking those terpenes and then just breaking them down and converting them back into the terpenes that they're using. It could be. Because it's already got an easy base to build from.
3: Well, that might be it. But we have to find out whether that's really, really true. I mean, so, for example, uh, I read an article that they've discovered. I think it's uh, manganese. I can't remember the other one. Two of the nutrients that, if you get them down in the rise, and I just read that it was only like three or four weeks ago, if you get them into the rhizosphere, they change the terpene content, uh, and they increase the terpene content in certain areas, and so you can you get a better tasting weed by using. I mean, ah! you know, if this is true, and of course it must be. I mean, because it just makes too much sense. You know, we know that you can taste. The Miracle Grow, and you use Miracle Grow weed that's grown in Miracle Grow. You can it just ta- you can taste it, uh you know. So oh yeah, we, for sure, for sure. You know, so we know that if we put certain things in, and if we get the right nutrients in the right proportion, you know, and it all goes back, you know, it's like you. So you go back to your all bricked you know, your ratio of of nutrients to each other, uh, and then maybe if we think around with those a little bit. We end up with different tastes and stuff. But but again, we're not going to get any of this crap from the government. We've got to figure this out ourselves.
1: So you said manganese, and you didn't remember the other. Is the other one a micronutrient also?
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, don't quote me on what they are, but I'm going to look it up, and when I find it, I'll, I'll email it to you guys. But Because um, uh, it's a very recent article. It was in Science News, I think. Although I can't imagine why they would write about that.
0: Manganese and molybdenum are the two that I've been – Lately hearing a lot about
3: yeah, I'm not sure it was molybdenum, okay, molybdate and
1: molybde manganese or molybdenum.
3: Well, we'll have to look it up but 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 in any case we will we'll google it out and, and, and see but the, those kinds of things are out there and ready to go, and you know, and then you start thinking about the microbes in terms of the the practices that we do, you know so so we know that. Inside these individual cells, there are all these enzymes that are creating the proteins that are, you know, doing. So these enzymes are crucial. They are proteins, but they're crucial. Um, And, and every single cell has tens and hundreds of thousands of these enzymes and, you know, and they operate best at what temperature. You know, that's the temperature we want to try to grow our weed at. Those are the kinds of things we want to be looking at and looking for. I think that I think that I think the temperature was 76 degrees. I think that's what it was. it was. You know, you get up towards 86 degrees and 90 degrees, the plant begins to shut down. Enzymes don't work the right way. You know, so so those are the kinds of things we need to start looking at and 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 uh, and sharing and, and testing, and because uh, we're going to come up with such an unbelievable uh, end product you know that uh, uh, it's just going to be the be all in there with, with all it's just, it already is in a sense oh, you, no, no. temperatures
6: are you meaning temperatures in the root zone are you talking ambient temperatures
3: are I'm you talking, talking yeah, the talk,
6: temperatures I'm, at the active photosynthesis sites
3: I'm talking I'm talking wherever the activity is going uh, which is prob- pretty much the whole plant at the same temperature interesting
0: um i was also uh i also wanted to uh give charlie a, a chance to to ask a couple of questions he actually uses your uh, your books as textbooks and i'm sure he has a couple of questions yeah i've um i've been familiar with elaine ingham's
5: work for quite a while and so jeff when your books came on the market it was refreshing it was written in very simple way to understand what she was trying to convey and some very long lectures, and um, so my students uh, really engage with it. Um, I talked to the publisher just today and let him know I was using those books, and he was very thrilled to hear that. So I just want
3: to ho- I, 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 I hope you stay away from the first edition, first printing.
5: <laughs> I will remind myself to do that, okay? Because there's a
3: mistake in it. I, I reversed the pH. Oh, my God. And then when they revised the book, they went back to the first printing <laughs> and repeated the mistake again. So, so that's just my only big, big, big caveat. But I'm, I'm, I'm tickled that you're using it as a textbook. You know, people tell me that, they, that they've taken classes and it's been used as a textbook. And, and uh, you know, I always tell people, geez, anytime you need a guest lecturer, just let me know.
5: <laughs> well, if you if you can make it to Santa Fe, we'll, we'll definitely host you. Um, like i said um so i've been following elaine's work for quite a while and um, i was working a project up in pennsylvania just a few years ago and um which pleased to find out elaine was working there at Rodale still doing some analysis and uh, my partner started a, a bioflock <laughs> uh, aquaculture tank hmm. so it's a heterotrophic based system and we would pull the sludge off of that tank and incorporate it with uh, some worm castings and then we were, Elaine was there, and they were starting to analyze that, and what was coming off the fish tanks was just a remarkable population counts for microbes um, that was even shocking to Elaine. So there is something magic there about that fish waste as far as the microbial populations. Um, I do want to say that, uh, just comment on the soil, I mean the, the organic standards. Um... I think we're all in agreement that we're beyond organic in many ways but uh, I still see that the fight on the the opposite side still bases their whole uh, recommendations on soil and really what they're calling soil and soil to to many people on that board is classified as um, the top few inches of the earth's crust and it must be maintained touching the earth so taking soil and putting it in a root zone in a dual root zone bucket um, in many ways that would not be classified as organic under the standards. And I think that the aquaponics and hydroponics should be in the separate categories. And as I presented to the task force, I think that the story for aquaponics really was a stumper for them. It really confused the issue because of how sustainable and organically, I mean, microbial based that system is. Um, But then they raised issues. And I think some of the stickling points are things like animal welfare, Um, they need to look at animal welfare and add some regulations to make sure everyone's doing it right Um, because we said you know aquaponics should brand itself but just because Ken does it right doesn't mean Joe down the road is doing it right so other people can give us a a bad name as far as aquaponics Um, and then the other big issue I think was the manure rule and um, I think there's some misunderstanding that fish effluent uh, is not manure It doesn't have to go through manure rules because of the cold-blooded nature of that animal. Um, So there's a lot of issues that um, are going to prohibit, I think, water-based farming from organic standards. I saw that in my crystal ball for quite a while. Um, I was hoping I was wrong, uh, but it looks like we may be headed the wrong direction on that one. Um, but otherwise, Jeff, I just uh, want to just give me uh, my comments again. You're an inspiration. The way you can put um, technical terminology and microbiology, which really isn't rocket science, but the way you can put it in simple words um, and translate it to other audiences. Thank you for doing that. And we'll continue to use your book. So keep writing. I guess one of my questions was, what's next? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you keep in touch with Elaine Ingham. Um, Where do you see this kind of soil food web? You've obviously reached out and touched a lot of people. We know what you're talking about now. Five years ago, not as many people did. So what do you think is next and where are we headed?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, I think the mycorrhizal fungi is next. Um, I think we're going to get a lot more strains uh, that we're going to be able to grow and commercialize. I think we're going to get a lot more specificity to it. I think we're going to start to understand what's going on in the mycosphere, which is the comparable part to the rhizosphere. I mean, you know, we've got uh, and I think the biggest problem that we're going to begin to face is uh, phosphorus, you know, we're we're, we're approaching peak phosphorus, you know, people don't talk about that. But uh, the reason why we have uh, so much uh, why we have artificial nitrogen is because we were running out of nitrogen. And, uh, you know, Sir Joseph Banks challenged the scientific world to figure out a way we were going to live without nitrogen or to get nitrogen. And that's how we ended up, you know, many, many years later, but we are going to run out of phosphorus. And uh, we've got 40 years left, they say something of that sort. You can't buy lawn food with it anymore. That middle number is no longer on any lawn package in the United States of America that just happened a couple of years ago, you know? So so that's gonna be a big, big, big problem. And I think we're gonna have to start figuring out how to deal with that. I mean, you know, we're gonna have to start using human wastes, et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna have to get much more sustainable. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's where we're headed. We're headed towards scarcity, um, not necessarily because it's the right thing to do, but because of scarcity. And I, and I think that's gonna impact the gardening field, the growing field, um, you know, we're, we're all going to be impacted by it. Yeah,
1: yeah, China, out of it. Whole <laughs> China's been trying to corner the home, buying every nutrient, every kind of mineral and nutrient available uh, to man and stockpiling it in China. They've been doing that for years. That's one of the reasons we're getting in trouble with some of this too. You know, our ag supplies and stuff.
3: They're- well, and God, God only knows what our <clears throat> president, uh, you know is gonna be doing for us all in these areas. But in any case, we don't want to get in politics. Uh, yeah. You know, we want to stick with the, with the growing I'm, I'm stuff. Sorry. But
1: Sorry, Charlie, I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy.
3: No, I I'm was just s-
5: gonna say that I think everyone on this panel speaks the same language, Jeff. We all know about the phosphorus
0: crisis. And that's really why a lot of us do what we're doing. Yeah, actually so we, have a, we have a lot of guests that actually aren't quite as educated as we are do you want to speak for that a little bit more and just explain that to people because a lot of people aren't aware of that and well while everybody on the panel i think is aware i don't think a lot of our guests are. you know listeners are
3: yeah yeah Jeff, I mean, go so ahead. in a nutshell in a nutshell we're just running out uh we have yeah. we have used up the uh, available resources phosphorus comes from rock uh, through a long process um, and and it's not readily available when it is available. Uh, in soils, it gets locked up in a nanosecond in the clay particles um, and in microbes too, for that matter. But uh, it gets locked up in a nanosecond and it's very hard to free up unless you have the right fungal and, and phosphorus uh, bacteria to, to break it down. And, and uh, the resources are very, very scarce. And there aren't that many places in the world that have it. Fortunately, the United States is one of them um yeah. i'm trying to think think of where else where else it is morocco. But, but morocco, morocco. Yeah. yeah that's and a I'm, great place
5: <laughs> i think a lot of the phosphorus on the planet there's a lot of the phosphorus on the planet is actually tied up in bones so we have right. to start looking at livestock waste and and recapturing that phosphorus
3: yeah that's a great yeah, idea and in, poop. Yeah. and in poop you know I exactly. mean, uh, so sure. uh we're gonna have to figure these things out and we're going to have to figure it out in order to be able to eat because without phosphorus we don't eat that's just period um so i think that's really coming in the short run i think we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a little bit of a bumpy road here in the cannabis world uh i don't think there's any question jeff sessions wants to shut down every cannabis dispensary in the country um, you know he's not not only be back here but i i uh, but I think he's going to find out that he's going to get put in a bottle uh, right. if he even, if, you know, when he, when he tries. But, I mean, you know, it's just going to be a terrible situation, but but they're going to try, you know, I mean, and they're going to... Yeah, he's
4: been him. trying since he got there, and he'll keep trying until he gets kicked out or they're done, one or the other. But, well, you know, yeah. I, I think, what was it, twice now, They, you know, they voted down his, uh, his appeal to them to lift the sanctions from Obamacare, forget what the what the act is, but basically it's what allows the DEA or doesn't allow the DEA to go after um, a yeah. state sanction. Program. Program. And program. Uh, and so twice now he's he's put it the vote and each time it's been voted down, even by a Republican majority panel. So if nothing else, I mean at least that gives me a little bit of hope that there's still enough people in the majority that will say, hey Maybe we shouldn't just condemn all of these sick kids, you know, or everybody at the same time, or at, at least thinks about it logically enough to understand uh, what they're trying to do in terms of bring this prohibition in. So that that is the silver lining for me. Obviously, the dark cloud is the asshole that is Sessions, and he'll continue to try. And I guess, hopefully, we'll just keep enough people in there to be able to keep voting it down. because. I, I agree with you. He's not done, and he's going to keep trying. And it's you know we'll probably get rocky in the same way that Colorado's gotten rocky, and Washington has gotten rocky, and Oregon has gotten rocky, and California is about to get rocky. And you know all of those things may be uncomfortable, but I you know hopefully they lead to the the lifting of prohibition. Um, you know so even if I think Sessions stoking the fire the way he is is really going to backfire because he's going to find out that. You know it's going to burn way hotter than he can handle and he'll probably be the one that has to leave the kitchen and, and maybe we'll we'll get actual federal lift of prohibition and open up state lines and do all those things but you know who knows sure would be nice yeah. Hey, can if I could ask one more question this
5: is Charlie um, just a couple days ago Steve posted up on his Facebook a, a product uh, it was called a microbiometer and kind of a rapid assay to take a sample of that soil, and I'm right, not sure just, if y'all talked about this earlier. We did. Um,
3: we, did we, we did, we talked okay, about okay. it. And and, and and I'm the one who who I think probably was as a result of that's how it got there. I've been using it now for about a month, and it's fascinating. The guy that that really sort of is the genesis of it is a, is a, a guy uh, on the East Coast who. Uh, he put in the high line. He takes care of He put it in the landscape in the high line. He takes care of it. He takes care of the World Trade Center landscaping, uh, Brooklyn Battery Parks, etc. He's very organic. He uses lots of compost tea and mycorrhizal fungi. And uh, he's doing the St. Louis Arch. Um, okay. uh, he does all this stuff, and a very, very big sustainable guy. You know, he's that's he's awesome. uh, makes his own compost tea, grows his own mycorrhizal fungi, and has all sorts of skookum things. and And gave a talk, and this microbiologist heard him speak and said, "Hey, I can. I, I this is all about microbial biomass. Good things happen when you when you okay. know what you're doing, and you have good microbial biomass. And that's that's sort of the bottom line. You and I, we all know what we're doing." we use aerated compost teas. If we're using something that's anaerobic, we know what's in it. We stay away from E. coli that's bad. You know, we understand that fish poop isn't, isn't. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> shit, um, you know. And so we know that when we're adding microbiology into our systems, we're increasing the microbiology in our systems in a positive way. And that makes it possible for us to use this microbiometer and measure that microbiology. Now, if we didn't know what we were doing and we were just throwing poop and stuff in, you know, we could measure the microbiology and it's higher uh, and we'd be excited about it, but it would be the wrong microbiology. Right. That's not, that's not what we're doing in this situation. We know what we're doing. We're educated. You know, we're, we know how to make tea. We're not going to make bad tea and so So, i I highly encourage people to to try this test it's really an incredible experience to be able to to see differences (laughs) in soil uh you know in just a a couple of in a week to see a difference because you've done something to it is well as i as i like to say i've always looked for something that'll tell me whether products team with microbes Give me yep. something that I can test products with to tell me whether it's teaming with microbes or capable of teaming with microbes. This is the system that lets you do that. Any other system that does the same thing takes two weeks and costs 150 bucks. This is 10 bucks and takes 10 minutes. Wow. And, and I want to
1: <laughs> say, I went to microbiometer earlier when you said, I think Tommy did too, maybe because it looked like he was reaching for his, his keyboard. And the starter kit's only 100 bucks
3: i think it's for like 12 like for 12 uh you You get 12 tests you can 12 tests for 100
1: bucks you can send if you don't want to do that or you don't think you're capable which everybody is capable all you guys out there that are scared to do something new Look at us old guys, we're doing something new every day. Just been talking all night about how we have to evolve even though we know how to do it. We've become experts at how we have to do it, but things are changing. Well, the way aquaponics has taken off, the way Steve and Auroboros and Marty and these guys are just, just showing us that it actually does work after years of being you know, kind of the the, the redheaded stepchild of growing, you know, it's become the foremost, in, I mean, I got tons of money in aquaponics and I'm, I've become a fish dealer and I'm getting ready to start my own aquaponics here. Um, in fact, Ken, uh, you know, I'd love to have an Ouroboros East, you know, down here in Carolina, man. Perfect kind of climb, <laughs> do one in the East Coast. We
2: might be, be able to make that happen one of these days.
1: Yeah, man, we got, we got great land down here. A lot, a lot of farms that nobody's doing anything with anymore. Um, uh, there,
2: are pl- there are plenty of possibilities coming up here in the future that might make that a reality.
4: <laughs> I had to throw that in there, but, but uh anyway. I'm talking so about Oregon all the time too, so don't feel bad.
2: Oh, we What's don't forget Oregon.
1: I'm going to be buying that biometer when we get off the show tonight. I'm going to go ahead and buy <laughs> one. Well, you know, I, I we're talking about doing this. If you can get a kit that'll tell you, you know, where where you're at with your microbes, and we're all buying into this hard, you know, uh, might as well get it done. I mean, sooner I get it, sooner I can test.
4: Right? There you go. You can tell us.
1: Well, you guys got. Yeah, I mean, you guys got mega bucks compared to me. You guys
4: can Oh yeah,
6: hundred bucks. Uh, a I, a I love a guinea
1: pig. <laughs> <laughs> only thing I got going for me is I own two acres of dirt. That's the only thing I got going in the swamp. That's the only thing mm. I got. Is I do own my land, and I don't have any mortgage payments. You know. So.
4: Well, hey, there you go.
1: Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So anyway, but, but th- I wanted to throw that in since Jeff brought it up earlier. That yeah, that looked I went right to the site. It's a really cool site too. That microbiometer.com. It's got right away there's a picture of a tree, and then it shows you all the root zone and all the things that Jeff was talking about in the root zone and how it, you know, and, and how it all works down there and a bunch of other graphs. So all you listeners out there, check out check that out. I, I don't normally plug all kinds of stuff, but this is a learning experience with a tester you can get. And everybody's into it now. I mean Beginners are coming in and buying $1,500 LEDs. That never happened before, you know, but the science has gotten crazy. Yeah, see, even you, yeah, Jeff's like, no, not me. <laughs> not me either, but, but uh, I, I do have a few that I've experimented with, but I, I'm not going to get into LEDs now because that's not what the show's about. But, uh, yeah, but they're coming in. They're going, they're brand that they never grew before, and they're buying $1,500 I mean, $1, LEDs, and, you know, like I said, man, I wish I had five grand to just throw on a grill when I started. You know, I started with some Rubbermaid bubblers and and uh, some three uh, part and GH uh, three part. And and that's how I started, you know, by I bought some, you know, some humic acid and fulmic acid and liquid karma and this and that. And, oh, of course, to super thrive. We all tried super thrive. If some of us, some. People still use it now. Nobody on this panel probably does because they're all organic, and you would definitely not be using Super super-thrib.
0: Super-thrib actually I mean, is is not non-organic. It, it is an isolated, it's a PGR, but I don't think it's non-organic. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, I, it is. I always I thought it
3: was it's unfermented. I thought it was soybean. No, I said it
0: is not organic. It, it's synthetic. No, 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 I don't, I, I think it's non-synthetic. I think it's organic. Oh, you
3: think it is actually organic? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually oh, it, vitamin B. It's uh, It's made out of uh, – it's, it's like soy sauce.
0: Basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Smell, smell oh, it next time. Made yeah. out of rut. Oh.
0: It's, it's a PGR, which is a plant growth hormone. Yeah. Okay. Plant plant growth regulator, I'm sorry.
1: Regulator, okay. See, that'll help a lot of our listeners out there too because they hear about that still. You don't hear anything near as much about Super Thrive anymore.
0: You know, yeah, hardly at all. There's he better does. ways to do it. Some of our lactobacillus ferment formulas make Super Thrive look like tap water.
1: Yeah, but nobody knew about that. A few, I mean, the heart—it was not very wide. No,
0: that's 100% true. Yeah, for for,
1: but I'm saying you very so What I'm getting is that you very seldom see a guy go well once in. Every three to six months I might see one guy post that he might use Super Thrive. But nobody uses it anymore. You got so many people trying to go organic and, and doing those things. Now again, we're we've been trying to boost the aquaponics you know, on our on our forum and getting it going. And I guess that'll really help when um, I get to when I do my system. When I get my system up, that'll probably do a lot to help out to because I'm telling you the people that are joining, we, we I, Jeff, you love this. I teach 50 to 65 year olds mostly. I mean, these are all the doctors and lawyers and retired cops and judges and doctors and everything, you know, just that are now because of the the research being released, you know, from the Library of Congress a few years ago. Now everybody realizes that they could use medical marijuana, which they wouldn't because they were. Held in the dark for so long, and they grew up with the stigma, right? More of the stigma. Now they're retired, and we've got so many, as you probably know, and it's not what the show about either. But you know, I've across the board, not just our form, but everywhere, that all these people are coming out the woodwork because they're tired of being on Vicodin and they're tired of being on of pharmaceuticals, and they're. They're, they're growing. So I love it that, that we can have a show like this, and I've been able to be part of it, and then have a, a, a great author like you come on that people can relate to, because you're you definitely very relatable. You can, I could see sitting around, you know, burning on with you all day long, you know.
3: Um, I, I, only, the- I, I only vaporize now. I don't smoke anymore.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, see, now that's the correct, politically correct answer, too. Yes, because smoking... For all you people out there, smoking is bad in any kind of form. You need to ingest your cannabis or your medical marijuana and either, you know, some kind of concentrate or by vaporizing, which is what I also do. So, Uh, one more
0: question for Jeff before we we switch gears here is, uh, do you have a kind of a a go-to compost tea recipe that you would recommend to people? You're kind of one of the more, you know, consider the gurus on that.
3: First thing that what I do is I, I always use Alaska humus because it's available to me. So so I, I say that for two reasons. First of all, uh, it's got very high microbiology. You want to use the very best compost you can get. Um, there's a there's a little bit of a controversy. I don't think you can go wrong with being local with your compost. I mean it's great to use Alaska humus, and if you can get it, fine. But I'm using it. Indigenous area microbes. I just feel better about it, um, but that's just sort of how I feel about it. Um, I think they have a better a better if you're using microbes from the same area. You know, uh, they're used to the temperature, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, um, When I make my compost tea, I try to put in very few starts. I think what's happened in the people put too much gunk in. They make too many different. They make a complicated brew, uh, and you never know whether you're going to get fungal growing or whether you're going to get the bacteria taking over to the point where they kill off all the fungal. So I might use just a little bit of molasses uh, and a little bit of fish hydrolysase. That's it. Um, I always activate my Alaska humus beforehand. I take it, I put a, a handful of baby oatmeal in it, um, I put it in a in a container. I put it into a nice dark warm location. I have a furnace room I wipe the condensate off the top of the container once or twice a day and after about three days I have this beautiful sponge of fungal hyphae my mycel- That is my as my starter compost um, So that's how I do it occasionally lately what I've been doing is uh, is an extract it takes 15 minutes um, I don't have to lug out my KISS machine, you know, and, uh, and get it going. It's not noisy. Uh, and for 15 minutes, I just squeeze a cheesecloth with my Alaska humus in it in a bucket of water and just put it out. Um, that's what I do.
4: Right.
0: So you ever, for those that are familiar, what's it? Go ahead.
4: Sorry, have, you, ahead, have you ever made any of your uh, teas with your pond, like your koi water? You mentioned you kept some fish in a tank. Have you ever tried making one of your teas with the water from oh, the tank as the oh base? Yeah.
3: I don't make teas out of it, uh, but I treat it like I I do my extract. I use I use the, the water to just put it on my plants. That's my wintertime that's my wintertime food sure. from my plants, period.
4: Well, cool. so I make a lot of my my teas with um water from my tank as the base to sort of give it another kick start so as I well. Get. So, Might so be a I a fun an experiment for uh, you.
3: Yeah, I'd like to see what that looks like, uh, and, and and how do you end up? Do you end up with a uh, a higher bacterial than fungal
4: ratio? I think so. Um, yeah. So you know, I feel like the you know the sponge forms differently on the top. Like the uh, the structure seems like it's thinner. You know, it doesn't quite. Um, uh, I, don't know. You I guess I can't mean really mean explain it, it's not it not quite te- as texturized. it's Wait, thinner are you making it so you,
3: mean? When you say? Sp-
4: What do you mean by sponge you mean when you're making the tea so um the when after i aerate it and make the tea so for instance uh if it's gone through like um uh after i've gone through and aerated it so i've already aerated it for usually about 24 hours and then i like to let it sit um before i feed it and it'll form a like a pellicle on top and uh and it, to me it seems like it forms faster and slightly different um than it, it does when i when i don't do that and it does the same thing in my ferments because i'll do um like a horsetail fern uh ferment and it, the same thing happens in there where the it, and that it's more pronounced because i let it you know it, i let it ferment for a long period of time so the you know you can see the growth pattern is different so i was just wondering if you um, yeah, I don't,
3: know what, I don't know what it would be, but I mean, I think it's worth testing. It's certainly worth getting a microscope out and certainly worth, you know, maybe sending a sample into the Soil Food Web Lab and getting it tested. Um,
4: yeah, that's ultimately what I need to do because, I mean, I've looked at it yeah. under my microscope here, and, but I, you know, I only know a certain amount. I don't, you know, you know I'm not a microbiologist by any means. So, um, but I think it would be definitely interesting. That's really the next step to take to do that. But that's why I asked if you've ever done it as the base because I started using it. And I felt like my ferments go faster, and my, my I feel like, and obviously, I don't know, because I don't do like a control. I did with my ferments, actually. I did one, one strawberry bed and one cucumber bed with ferments and one of them without. And the fruit production in terms of the, the numbers of fruits and the size of the fruit and all of it was just way better with the lab mm-hmm. ferments um, on the other side. And so that's really the only one that I can really do. I wasn't able to do cannabis outdoors this year, thanks to regulations, but um, so that I feel like is really sort of the only control group that I have. But in terms of the the action of the team feels different when I use tank water, um, and I I feel like it's more effective or grows faster, but I really need to do a control group in the same way I did the lab ferments and see if it makes a difference in fruit production, because ultimately, you know, I feel like that's what you know, is going to be, well, I I guess in veg, maybe there might be, you know, could be a a value in veg or not. But usually the stuff that I'm researching for cannabis, you know, we're looking for bigger and better fruit, right? Better harvests.
3: Well, you know, that's, and of course, that's always a good question. What are we, what are we looking for? I mean, at what point are we there? (laughs) It's a it's a tough.
6: On
0: on that Um, one, on that note, um, actually, Charlie and Ken are both huge proponents of remineralization tanks, and remineralizing fish waste, where they take fish waste, they put it in a basically a compost tea brewer, for lack of a better explanation, with with a high amount of oxygen, and it brews and brews and brews. Is that something that you've worked with before, or uh, does either you or Ken or, or Charlie want to talk on that?
3: Well, I've never done it, but it certainly makes sense. I mean, what you're doing is you're just you're 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 increasing the count. They're breeding, and so you're increasing the microbial biomass exponentially every hour. I mean, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's open as long as you're able to feed them and keep the oxygen content high enough.
5: Yeah, I'm doing that on a regular right now. So I take the sludge off the bottom of the settling cone and I aerate it. Mm -hmm. I don't actually add extra feed to it. I just spend time aerating it. Um, Many years ago, we did a a paper and we put it out as a preliminary evaluation of organic fish waste. Um, And we we were seeing things like uh, how long these nutrients took to dissolve. And phosphorus was one, like you said, Jeff, it's always locked up quickly. So it mm-hmm. took about 30 days of aeration before the the full phosphorus was released from the solids and that was the last mm-hmm. mineral to to release so yeah we do that on a regular and then uh, we let that tank settle take that clear supernatant which is all dissolved nutrients and microbes and i either put that back in systems or i've run separate hydroponic systems with that as my sole nutrient source and got pretty much commercial I mean, yields but you're running for
3: you run it for 30 days wow yeah
5: yeah that paper is available steve can get that to you also
3: yeah that's we
5: looked at each nutrient um and how long it t- took for them to dissolve in solution
0: yeah charlie's actually written how many white papers have you worked on now a couple of oh, I don't... Uh, some ridiculous number yeah a few <laughs> <Neat>. <laughs> <laughs> a few closer to like a thousand or a couple, at least
3: well, you've been in there. you've been like in crazy. the rabbit hole too
5: yeah so uh but I, I i really enjoy it i look at i with my systems now i'm feeding the fish i'm getting the protein the liquid nutrients they they release are fed to hydroponic plants then i take the solid waste mineralize it further i grow more plants off of that and now we're starting to work with a lot of taking our our roots and our shoots and our stems that we don't harvest or use and push that through a worm compost process and then take the worm castings and create a tea and grow more plants where the original input was uh, basically fish food so sure. getting yeah, oh, as be much beautiful. as we yeah, can and Of course,
3: the, the worms just concentrate that stuff out like no one's business god yeah so you guys you're using everything you possibly can except for uh bio- there's no goat involved here we don't have a goat
5: right i occasionally feed a dead fish to my chickens so there you
3: go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta figure out to grow
0: some gills on a goat after we can do that
1: <laughs> yeah, charlie anyway. you're talking about cannabis waste that you're you're feeding to your worms is that what you're saying cannabis waste or,
5: no uh, roots. Uh, any kind of way so I, i'm growing yeah. vegetables so we're at santa fe community college and uh, it okay. is a legal state here for medicinal but at the college i'm not allowed to necessarily teach cannabis 101 yet until okay. the feds the feds do something different
1: so you're talking about regular regular waste roots and all that anything you'd have from a plant that you harvest you're putting that to the worms and that's what they're churning
5: yeah it's like in our industry in aquaculture we often talk about a feed conversion ratio right how much i feed a fish to how much meat i gain so i'll look at that 1.4 pounds of fish food that i throw in and i can grow a pound of fish and i can grow the hydroponic vegetables and then i can keep the system going so my food conversion ratio really defies alchemy. It's a, I'm getting more food than I put in the system. I love it. I love it. That sounds great. And I'd say Rodale was one of my um, inspirations early on in my career great, as well. Great segue. I want to show you. I was
1: digging for this. <laughs> there.
6: You
5: see
1: this right here? That's Rodale's book. That's yes. one of my, as you can see, it's not in the best of shape.
4: You know, now it's well used. That's now well this up. is
1: this is a compost book, y'all. Just on compost.
5: That's right. Damn.
3: You know, but I'll bet you it doesn't use the, the word micro at once. Does it say bacteria? Does it say fungi? Do you hear You're that,
5: sorry. Roger? Roger it's does a- it even mention microbiology in that book.
1: Well, I love it, Jeff, because Jeff even brought up earlier, he brought up one of my favorite things when people are arguing organic or chemical or synthetic, however you want to put it. I say, Odell said, and Jeff said it earlier in his own way, a leaf cannot tell the difference of nitrogen from an organic source or from a fertilizer bag. And that's why I was loved, that's why I loved him. So. Father of organic, you know, organics said that, so... It's just funny, and Jeff and Jeff hit on it earlier, but yeah. It, you guys are great, man. What a great panel man, tonight. We Where had a question from,
0: we had a question from chat. It says, I'd like to hear uh, Jeff's opinion on SSTs.
3: SSTs? What are SSTs?
4: Uh, sprouted seed tea. <laughs> oh, seed sprout tea. Yeah, so he's talking about, you know, sprouting a bunch of seeds of like barley or corn or something like that. So you... Essentially, you take a lot of them, and, and uh, I believe the concept is is to get the enzymes that are released when the seeds originally sprout, and then you basically pour them into a blender and blend them up into mush, and you can either bubble them into tea or uh, just feed them top dress and water them in.
3: I don't know. Wow. I, 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 now I'm going to have to go look that up too. Yeah, that's a good, that's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. How, I wonder how. Works. I mean, I go over so that it goes in that way. Well, it uh, has to do with hormones, maybe. What's to do it's with the, hormones, the, enzy- the new plant? Enzymes. Hey, makes sense. Enzymes. enzymes makes a lot more sense. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So they're yeah. after the you know essentially the enzymes that are you know that would yeah. uh, you know are there to both uh, trigger the reaction that the plant needs to protect itself in a, you know those early stages of growth and. Um, and also be able to uptake nutrients so that's kind of the basis of what I read about it and I've done a couple of them Um, last year we did um, we did barley and I believe it was sweet corn if I remember right Um, and uh, you know it's pretty easy to do it doesn't even you know it doesn't take that long if you have a blender and some water and some seeds and the seeds are cheap oh alfalfa that's another one that's popular to do as well um and you can buy a lot of them you know like in bulk if you want to do this consistently and and have it um do something you want to do so it's uh it's cheap to do it doesn't take very long and you know it's readily available so check it out <laughs> what are they got some go ahead sorry, jeff
3: I was to say, i wonder why that works i mean so for example uh i mean those those plants that you mentioned are very heavy mycorrhizal associators the plant send out a, sends out the signal to attract the mycorrhizal fungi. I wonder whether those little seedlings have roots that are putting out that, that signal. Stop putting it out in there. Are they called? I don't know. It's very interesting. These things work. What I'd like to know is why? What's going on? And of course, who's got the equipment to be able to figure that out? But fascinating stuff.
0: We actually had a, a guy from chat says, "What's uh, the next book should be teeming with enzymes?"
3: Well, I don't know. You know, each individual, each individual plant has uh, what do I always say? 35 trillion cube, 35 trillion cells. Each cell has 10,000 different kinds of enzymes. Each one they have a thousand enzymes of minimum. So you've got 10,000 different kinds of enzymes. 1,000 of each one of those in each individual cell. Holy crow. That's a lot of enzymes. Enzymes run Charlie, the world, no question about it.
0: Charlie suggested teaming with hormones.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I probably sell a lot of those to teenagers.
4: Yeah, I've got a 10-year-old. They're raging. And Rogers, Rogers teenagers, and Rogers. Time so to
6: do it.
1: Uh, a, a disclaimer, you know, for everybody that has a complaint about anything that you don't believe that, you know, that's incorrect politically or really bothers you. No, I'm not going
0: to do it. Yeah, be sure to write e- e- uh, apmeds at gmail.com. terrible. Terrible. We pick on Marty. Yeah, pick on Marty. <laughs> um, I did. I, I, I do. Uh, so Charlie has to get going here. um we actually, Charlie, do you want to go ahead and make the announcement since uh, we got every, well, most of the people here? Uh, uh, yeah. You, to you know, I hope it's a, it's a permanent
5: announcement that uh, there's a few people in this panel and uh, we're trying to put together a larger project, uh, uh, maybe the largest project in the US as far as aquaponic production. And we're lo- looking to link it with cannabis production. So um, we've got some goals to set a business in California as the new regs come into place in 2018. Um, Steve is really spearing some of the the planning process of the whole turnkey system from um, very vertically integrated. So the whole grow process, the manufacturing process, distribution, and um, we've got Tommy on the panel here. We have some very unique products as far as cannabis, um, unique um, extraction methods, unique uh, products that we can ingest um, that'll keep us on the radar but really we're getting into this because of the green production of aquaponics um, we're looking to uh, be a paradigm shift in the way cannabis has grown and show other people so education will be a big part of it um, that's just kind of the basis of where we're headed um, if we if anybody wants further information link up with Steve and he can put you in the right direction as far as getting involved in our projects Um, You guys, you're welcome to speak individually if you want to talk a little bit more about those processes. Um, But it's pretty fascinating at the time. I think the timing is right, the right place, the right time, the right team. And uh, we really, everyone's in it for the right reason. Um, Not so much greed, but to help the industry, um, to make sure we have a good mark on the industry, um, sustainability, quality medicine. So we're calling the company Purity Medicinals because it's all about quality over quantity. So you know I can't uh, I can't express more to to see the team we've got so Tommy's on the panel here if if the listening audience can see Steve's there Ken Armstrong and Ouroboros will be part of this project and we have some Canadian partners as well so we're looking to help humanity in the large region
1: that is so awesome congratulations
0: yeah. guys
4: yeah y'all keep it in got marty yep yeah. we
0: got yeah. uh Charlie Charlie is the uh charlie is one of the the head guys helming uh, helming up the company we got ken there uh with the company we got uh marty on the oregon division we got uh tommy j on uh on the labs we got uh i've been kind of helping organize all the different parts and uh, uh depending on i don't know whatever part you want and uh it's, i couldn't be happier to be part of this and this is kind of the the secret project i've been kind of hinting at the last you know, a couple of months and uh, wasn't able to talk about it. I finally got a clearance to talk to and kind of kind of grabbed everybody real quick and got them on the show. So I wanted to have them on for the announcement and just, uh, you know, kind of have Charlie uh, uh, make the announcement for us. And I thought, uh, you know, you couldn't really pick a better team of people. Yeah, I think so too. Con- cool. Congratulations, guys. That is so awesome. Yeah, you guys keep in touch because we're going to tap into all of you guys for help. <laughs> yeah if you guys are interested in that definitely check out puritymedicinals.com if you're interested we're uh uh yeah we got big things to come and big announcements to come uh, we can't quite talk about yet but we got a lot of really cool products some of which we've hinted at uh, and uh and some of the ones we haven't um and, uh, yeah it's gonna be awesome we're gonna have uh, cannabis medicinal herbs and vegetable production all part of all under one company, all all using aquaponics as the the base of production, and uh, and, and you know across multiple countries all at once. So it's going to be, you know, something that the the industry hasn't really seen before. Tommy, I yes. saw your hand up.
6: Yeah, uh, uh, just really excited as as somebody who kind of works with the stainless steel and the glass uh, mm-hmm. to be able to process whether it's out of the cannabis industry, which we're all interested in, you know, it's changed my life, but all the other medicinals that are available, uh, and then just the overall uh, passion that I hear on this panel for changing the way agriculture is done, uh, especially if we're sourcing medicine, whether it's from cannabis or or other areas, I'm really excited, you know, who's somebody who's stuck in in a lab shaking beakers. Uh, to be able to work with a source material that has had the kind of attention paid to it by like you know people like Jeff here and, and whatever it's just like I think it's an astounding uh, opportunity, and I'm just really, really glad to be part of that.
5: Yeah, I'll also mention that a few of us on this panel will be at the aquaponic Association meeting up in Portland, so, We look forward to getting together and talking but if anybody's in the listening audience and wants more information head up to portland the first weekend of november and uh join us steve i think you're going to give a talk on aquaponic cannabis finally at that conference
0: yep i'm doing a talk there on aquaponic cannabis Uh, i know ken's doing a talk on his farm um we'll also be up in oregon here uh, next weekend for part of the new grows um the Northwest Dude Grows Cup uh, will also be sponsoring uh, Northwest Dude Grows Northwest Dude Grows Cup, uh, which is a big meeting up in Oregon. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of awesome people there, um, <laughs> far more than people realize. I'll leave it at that. And uh, uh, being part of one of the organizers, there's going to be some really cool guests there that I'm not allowed to talk about. And um, yeah, I, I you know we'll be up there twice in the next month. If you guys are interested and can't make them this weekend, uh, definitely come up for the Aquaponic Association meeting. Um, I'll be giving a, a, a talk on that, and, and Ken is giving a talk. Are you giving a talk, Charlie? I forget. Yeah, I'm doing applied aquaponics here at the college, uh, explaining all the systems that we have in place. Awesome. Yeah, do you want to talk a minute on on what you've been doing on there to the college before we? Let you go. You no, know, I'm. I, I'm mainly in the process of building a 12,000 square foot greenhouse.
5: Wow. Um, it's it's tied into a microgrid. Um, you know, there's a lot of schools have quarter acre greenhouses, but uh, we're an island amongst ourselves, so we're not tied into the grid. So a lot of alternative or renewable energy sources fueling that greenhouse. Um, I'm most likely, I'll have a bay of traditional hydroponics, a bay of one large aquaponic system. Um, probably a bay of a lot of aquaculture, including algae culture. And then we'll have some space available for businesses. I also do a uh, what we call the farm pod. The website is farminapod.com, a shipping container downstairs that's uh, a fish farm. And it's pumped upstairs to uh, zip grow towers. So I'm getting my experience with vertical towers. And uh, sometimes I go th- uh, find out what a pain in the ass they can be uh, oh, yeah. versus deep water culture. Um, I also run a a deep water culture that's maybe about a sixteenth of the UVI size. Um, We do a lot of the mineralization of the the fish waste there. And I do a a slew of uh, hydroponics, traditional hydroponics, NFTs and Dutch buckets. Um, I also partnered with a company recently you guys can all check out online. They're called the Aqua Grove. I think their website says Aqua Grove, the new aquaponics. It's just a small scale system. Uh, standalone aquaponic system. So I'll be explaining that at the conference, and uh, you guys can check that out online as well. So we're very Isn't busy. That automated not, system? It's not automated. It's just a modular system. Again, Aqua Grove, and um, it's got a lighting system. It's for indoor application. The next protocols or prototypes will have a solar panel installed for outdoor production, and also a spirulina bed uh, in a closed loop feeding the fish the algae so they've got plans to expand the technology uh we just get to test it
4: and uh push the limits really Uh, i think i've been to their website before they're a little bit focused on um like the urban market right where they can absolutely
1: not bad it actually looks like a viable little home herb system you could grow herbs and yeah
5: they're out of michigan yeah. too so that's a legal state uh medical so they would like to see patients be able to use something simple like that to grow their meds
4: in vertical towers yeah aqua grows at dwc up top oh right up top okay yeah it makes more sense Yep, it's a, it's a it's a
5: unique design it's a small system but uh it, it's going to have a lot of applications in schools and education and homes as well
3: and groceries. Sure
5: and grow shops exactly Jeff (laughs) yeah yeah cool so I hope to see some of you guys there and I do need to step out I'm still dealing with a a
0: tiny home stuck in the mud (laughs) I I figured also I'd let you talk for just two seconds on uh, page you know Pedro and what's going on in Puerto Rico okay sure anyone can help them at all
5: yeah, so the reason I'm bringing a tiny home to my property here in Santa Fe is uh, many of us have a mutual friend, Pedro Casas, down in Puerto Rico. Um, the farm is agroponicos, an aquaponic farm, and uh, they just got leveled by the Category 5 hurricane. Um, it's a hum- human humata- humanitarian crisis right now. Dysentery setting in. There's not a lot of drinking water, so their family's coming up to live with me. So I'm I'm taking in Pedro, we're going to have him do some work with us at Purity Medicinals. I think he's got some side work with Murray Hallam. So our buddy Pedro is a quality guy with a lot of experience, uh, graphic design as well. So if anybody has any opportunities for Pedro, reach out to Steve or myself and we'll pass that along. Um, At the same time, we're taking another evacuee family from St. Croix, which also got devastated. So I'm about to have six people in my small home. Yeah. Uh, I keep reminding my wife that it may be an inconvenience, but we're going to have a Puerto Rican cook and an oh. African cook
4: coming to live. <laughs> well, hey, you got it. take what you can get, right?
0: Yeah. Right. right, you could do a yeah. lot worse for cuisine, oh, man. man. You
5: know,
4: I, I it, but <laughs> variety is the
0: spice I'm, of life. I'm, I'm if it's there's gonna, one thing I missed from uh, you out,
6: I is Puerto Rican, right yes,
0: about. Mama, There's my Puerto Rican.
6: Right <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's one thing I miss about uh, living in Jamaica—it's the patois cooking. Yeah,
5: yep. Um, you know, I'll mention it here now. Uh, I guess it was about three or four months ago. There was a job announcement circulating the web about a um, uh, aquaponic consultant to take a three-year position in Jamaica. Um, I think it's open open knowledge now that my buddy Alan Patillo from Iowa State accepted that position. And it looks like he's going to relocate to three, anywhere from three to four years to Jamaica to keep the movement of aquaponics flourishing down there on islands. island. Wow, so, how cool. Yeah. Awesome. If he, uh, if he needs anything, tell him to hit me up. Yeah, well, for sure. I've got a lot of experience, too. So I think we're going to link him up, and he's going to do great things down there. Cool. Thanks for I'm the opportunity, though. Steve. Take- Absolutely. I'm glad I'm to be ser- able to support them. Yeah, go ahead.
1: On a serious note, uh, you doing that, man, that is so
6: awesome, yeah. taking those people in. And that's just, yeah. You know, I have he, no words for word.
1: it. Yeah. That's so cool, I'm just- Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Thank
5: you. Good, thank you. and then if you guys can follow up, if the, if I need something, I'll, I'll put a shout out to our small circle of friends. So, um, but Absolutely. we'll do what we can do. My main thing is uh, they all have kids, so we're getting the kids in schools and we're trying to find work for the adults so uh yeah, throw any opportunities my way pedro is a great guy and can help any business in this field all right well, absolutely, absolutely so. so
6: much i appreciate that i don't know you but thank <laughs> you so much puerto rico needs all the help they can get and even just a little bit makes a big difference so thank you yeah. very much.
5: and what's your first name again i didn't catch it
6: bridgette. okay bridgette <laughs> you're
5: gonna meet pedro one of these days okay
6: Oh, great! Maybe we'll get together and make a big old pile of Puerto Rican food, and everybody they have to have it. (laughs) My sweetheart was born on the island. Yeah, yeah, I understand.
3: I'm a New Yorkeran. I'm a Puerto Rican born in New York.
6: Yeah, okay, I got it. I swam over. All
5: right. Look forward to seeing y'all again. Thanks again, Steve, and Jeff. Thanks for your time.
3: My pleasure, my pleasure right, Thank you, guys.
5: Santa Fe is open to you, Jeff. I know you travel around, so make a stop through Santa Fe and we'll host you like a king. Okay,
3: sounds good, love it. All right, thank you, Charlie,
5: thanks for all the great info and great to meet you tonight. You too, Roger. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm so
1: so Charlie. All right, thank
3: everyone. you,
5: Charlie. One love,
3: thanks, guys.